Ladies and gentlemen, Natty or bust. There is no bust. Michigan, our national champions. Oh, there was plenty of busting going on Monday night. Oh, good Lord, right out the gate. <laughs> there was plenty of busting okay. going on. If you had any questions about whether you were getting fired up, Josh, or not, there is your answer. Good Lord. <laughs> we will get to our boys. Natty and bust. <laughs> Okay, can I just get through this real quick and then it's all you. This is going to be an absolute (laughs) shitstorm. All right, we will get to our boys fresh from Houston. Uh, Obviously, they were down there covering the national championship for us. Uh, They have been sleeping a little bit (laughs) the last couple days. Multiple times I'm texting, no answer. That's already happened. (laughs) Been a long days, but yeah, we'll get into them. We obviously have a lot to break down with Michigan football the journey to 15 and 0, a national championship, how we got here, what it means in this moment. And obviously we'll, we'll talk about the future a little bit and what we think's coming and hypothesize some things like that. Uh, and this has been one of the craziest like days in sports in a very long time. <laughs> so uh, we are recording this currently eight o'clock on Wednesday, Nick Saban, Alabama head coach has retired. I'm just going to say it. Michigan broke him. That's two former Michigan State coaches that Jim Harbaugh has now broken and forced into retirement. But that's all we'll say on that. We'll get into that. we got too much Michigan stuff to get through. And then some breaking news with Michigan basketball. Uh, It's unavoidable at this point. We will discuss that at the end of the show. Um, As Josh tweeted out earlier, there are just conversations that have to be had at this point. So we are Maize and Blue Review. This is Hail to the Podcast. I am Trevor McHugh, Senior Editor, Maize and Blue. Joined as always, Josh Hensky, Intel Insider Publisher, Amazing Blue Review, swagged out with his CFP gear. Looking good. How you doing, brother? Oh, fantastic. Never better. Never better. Yeah. What memorabilia did you steal? So we saw a couple <laughs> Michigan players were taking, like, I saw a folding chair. Uh, yeah. Harbaugh apparently took a mini fridge full of Diet Coke, which is the most Harbaugh thing ever. I'm assuming you got some confetti. Anything else funny? Uh, no, nothing else funny. Um, to be fair, those chairs had their names on them. So they weren't just like stealing chairs. <laughs> they had their names on them. Um, so there was a reason behind that, but no, I didn't steal anything. I was tempted to steal a couple of things. Uh, there was this cool little, uh, CFP logo light that they had on all that's on the tables that we were told that we couldn't steal. Um, yeah, there was a glass I was supposed to steal from the, uh, media party, but I forgot. So, yeah, I just ended up with a bag, a literal bag full of confetti. And, right. um, yeah, that was it. And and good memories. We will get to those good memories in a moment here. I'm sure you have awesome stuff to share. Joining him in Houston was, I've been calling him the man in the sky. He went a perfect 15-0, all 15 games attended. I know you got confetti at the Big Ten Championship. I was there with that, or there with you for that. I'm assuming you got some for this as well, but Mr. Brock Heilig also appears to have gotten some buffs. Yep. Got me some buffs. Like, like Derek said, I can't pull it off like Jim Harbaugh does. And Harbaugh throws so good. He he did look great. He, he was, he was having the time of his life up there on the, on the podium after the game. It was a great time in Houston. Like you said, Trevor 15 and Oh, it still doesn't feel real. The like, the season almost doesn't feel real when Michigan doesn't lose a game because 
They've lost a game every year since 1997. It feels like there should be more games to be played and an eventual letdown possibly to in, to come after that. But there isn't. There are no more games. Michigan went undefeated, and they're the national champions. And like we'll probably talk about in a few minutes here, there likely won't be an asterisk or uh, vacated wins of any sort. So Michigan fans are really – Really on top of the world right now. Haters yeah. in absolute shambles tonight. Too many hater tots and hater aid. Yeah. I thought that was AI when I saw that quote. And then I watched the Reese Davis clip back. Couldn't believe it. Uh, Derek here pointing out Brock Powers, the spy who stole signs. <laughs> Looking good with the flex. We've seen some comments already talking about our ball, some of the coaching opportunities. Like I said, we will get to the future in a moment. Um, honestly, I don't think. Where we are today is that different than where we've been this entire time. I'll, I'll share my thoughts on that when we get to it. But yeah, questions, comments, guys, make sure you're joining us in the comment section. I see a lot of familiar names. Those of you that are watching this back on playback, if you missed us live, make sure you're liking, subscribing, and doing the notification bell so you do know when we go live. You can join in the conversation. Uh, we have daily podcasts, this show every week. And then tomorrow, before anyone asks me, because I know you will, Toski and I will begin what I'm assuming will be another four hours of cut-ups film review of the national championship game. So we'll have that tomorrow at six, but let's start with doo -doo 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 -doo, breaking news that Brock brought up. Um, I don't want to get into this too much, but I thought this was pretty, um, I don't know what word I want to use, but I, I thought this said a lot. Okay. So first off, this is from Ross Dellinger covers uh, sports for us over at Yahoo sports. He put out a article covering some comments from NCAA president, Charlie Baker. He leads off saying he doesn't regret doing it in reference to informing the big 10 and Michigan about the sign stealing allegations. He said he thought sitting on the information, given the comprehensive comprehensiveness of it, I think we would have put everyone, including Michigan in an awful place. And this is kind of the start of where he's going. He feels like this has done a good thing for Michigan which LOL, but let's go further as it was, it was out in the public domain and people either made adjustments or didn't at the end of the day, no one believes at this point that Michigan didn't win the national title fair and square. Obviously there are people that believe that whether they truthfully believe it or want to believe it because grr, right. Rival fans, whatever. But here's the point. The NCAA president has said out loud that Michigan won the national title fair and square. Josh, we've already talked about how vacating wins was probably never going to happen for precedent reasons and other things like that. I think that's a pretty large statement in terms of how the NCAA views this national championship. Yeah, and I think the whole story, like we said the last time, was utter bullshit, and it is. It's total bullshit. Um, total, not, I wouldn't say total exoneration because, yeah, the whole Connor Stallions thing is what it is, but the story is bullshit. Um, the NCAA needs to get out of their uh, Stone Age ways and start kind of modernizing the game a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the helmet stuff, the communications, and stop having these uh, weirdos on the sidelines doing jerk-off motions to call a run or a pass 
Um, I think they need to get away from that type of thing. That is, um, that's two references, and we're only what seven minutes into the show. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you got a guy there. I forgot who the coach was. Oh, it was Jonathan Smith who was milking himself on the sidelines oh, to milk the clock. So, I mean, it's not, I'm not too far off with this stuff. You're good, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just shows that this whole thing is archaic, it needs to change. Uh, there needs to be wholesale changes. Go to the NFL model with the in, in, in uh helmet speakers and microphones and and all that stuff um it, it's all it's all ridiculous i just think it's uh you know it, it's it's stupid and the only people that really think that you know there should be some sort of vacated wins or or uh you know an asterisk asterisk next to the names of michigan is these you know anonymous wuss coaches that can't put a name behind it. Uh, don't get me started on the anonymous part and, and stand behind their, their local uh, favorite mouthpieces who like to just regurgitate any type of crap that comes out of their mouths, whether it's, you know, makes sense or not. Um, and also, you know, Buckeye fan six, nine, six, nine on Twitter <laughs> and, um, you know, tuck coming 74 at, on, hey, on, three. on Twitter as well. <laughs> You know, saying that Michigan is cheating and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? They're not cheating because the NCAA president literally said that it doesn't mean anything. And, you know, you're just going to have to cope. You're going to have to deal with the fact that Michigan is damn good. Michigan is national champions. Michigan is looking over all of you, teabagging you as we speak, because you it's 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 over. This is the end game. It's over. It's done. It's done. We're I'm I'm done. I'm done talking about this. Take the L, apply a little ointment, and move on, because it's you're done. We're done here. There's nothing more to see. There's nothing more to prove. These guys are national champions. These guys are forever champions. You can't take that away from him. The NCAA sure as hell isn't going to take away from him because they don't have the balls to do it. You know, the Big Ten doesn't even have the balls to congratulate Michigan on on winning the whole damn thing anyway. The Big Ten Network will. But that doesn't mean anything, you know, at, at this point, you know, that Michigan doesn't need anything. They don't, it, you know, the, the Michigan versus everybody quote really um, I thought was a little lame, but Hey, it works. And it, it really is now Michigan versus everybody. And Michigan so, beat everybody. Yeah, Michigan beat everybody yeah. and they beat the crap out of everybody. Uh, it's not even, it's not even close if you're looking at their stats. So, um at the end of the day suck it that's all i can say there i mean that's, i mean to harbaugh whatever he does between now and and whenever two double birds and you know <laughs> two double birds riding on a bald eagle with an american flag in the background maybe some metallica going and you know some cacals and eagle screeches it's america baby land of the free what the hell all right <laughs> Uh, Brock, I don't want to hang on this too much, but uh, just a couple more things Baker said. Call this decision unusual, but he thought that the result now that Michigan won brings more integrity to it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it was really unfair to do that to Michigan without due process, but fine. But he said part of the reason I thought it was important to talk to the Big Ten in Michigan about this was it might affect the outcome of games. I don't believe at the end of the season that it did. There you go. And then the only other part of this I wanted to bring on, I don't know where it's at here, actually. I can't find the part, but whatever. He mentions that the information was brought forward 
by an independent third party. And I would just curious if we will ever hear more on that independent third party. But anyway, Brock, real quick, whatever you got, I, unless you want to talk about Eagles and fireworks like Josh, then we can talk about this team and the praise that they deserve. Yeah, well, Josh brought up the, the fact that the rival fans can't, you know, come to realize that this is a legitimate national championship. And I think part of that is because they've been so used to Michigan being mediocre for a long time. And, you know, these last three years have really proven that that there's been a change and it's it's all culminated in a national championship on Monday. I think a lot of these Michigan State and Ohio State fans are trying to find reasons to help themselves believe that it's not real, you know, and, and yeah. obviously that's been helped along by the, the sign stealing stuff. But like Josh said, Michigan beat everyone badly. I, I going back, going looking back on the, the whole season, Michigan didn't lose a game or didn't win a game by less than a touchdown. They beat Ohio state by six points. That was the closest game all season. Right. And then, it's not like it, it wasn't even like last year when, when Michigan was on the ropes against Illinois and, you know, barely won with with four Jake Moody field goals or anything like that. Michigan was dominant all year long. And and like Charlie Baker said in the in the article there, you know, they don't they don't believe that it affected the the outcome of the games. And, and I think that's basically a foregone conclusion at this point, because before this before all this stuff broke in, in, in late October, Michigan wasn't going to lose any of those games. They weren't going to lose any of the non-conference games. They weren't going to lose to Rutgers or Indiana or, or Minnesota or Nebraska or any of those games. And then Michigan goes out and still beats all the teams that should have, that should have been close games, but really weren't. Penn State wasn't really all that close. Ohio State, they were leading for most of the game. They crushed Iowa and crushed Washington. And, you know, Michigan just went out there and proved that it was the best team and, and, Really, in the end, I think we'll all come to realize this really didn't have any effect on anything. I think Michigan was the best team in college football, and not many people can argue that. No, and I, I've said all along, as much as this sucks right now in the moment going through this, if we've learned anything from these overblown scandals that have happened in college football or sports in general, I mean, this this has to be one of the most overblown, right? Like what Michigan arguably did at this point. All we know is they – Potentially, ironically, the voice of reason on this was comedian Bill Burr, who said he was on Rich Eisen's show. And he said, let's be honest, the stealing signs thing is stupid. Everybody steals signs. All we know that Michigan did potentially is try to steal signs, mm -hmm. right? By maybe having somebody up 150 feet with a phone. That's what we're talking about here. And I think it's, it's pretty obvious. Josh, you talked about the anonymous coaches, the people that were behind all this pressure on the Big Ten. We know who they are. Right. This was them scared, like Brock said, that Michigan was going to win these games anyway. They begged for help to even the playing field. I told you Thamel slipped up when he was talking with Desmond, I believe it was. And he said something about, well, yeah, that's the point. This makes it fair now. It was a preemptive punishment so that James Franklin and Ryan Day couldn't argue. Right. Fine. We took Harbaugh away. And they still won. And that was the whole point of it was for them to do what the NCAA just did said, hey, we did what we could to make it fair. You can't complain now. That was the whole point of skipping due process and putting these punishments in place. So that being said, I'm sure there will be some, like I've said all along, I think there'll be some level two and maybe some fines. Stallions probably won't be allowed to do whatever, but fine. Okay. 
let's talk football. They are national champions and it's incredible. I think coming into this year, Josh, when we had to do our predictions and, and whatnot, I obviously thought this team could win the national championship, right? Mm-hmm. But it's tough to, to pull the trigger on that. I think my, where my head was, was I, Michigan was going to win a playoff game and then probably lose to George and the natty. That's kind of where I thought this was going. Um, Michigan, I mean, we, beating Alabama, the Rose Bowl, we talked about how that already felt like a big monkey off their back. And then they were going to come into this game just like, okay, <laughs> here's our goal. Here's everything we've been talking about for three years and just get business done. And it kind of had that vibe to it, right? This was such a Michigan game. What a symbol for everything that is Michigan, right? Complete team effort, running the football, right? Pressure over sacks. We talked about that. This defense between them and Michigan, or excuse me, Georgia in 2021, we're talking about two of the best defenses in the last 25 years, right? Guys made mistakes in this game, and it felt like every single dude that made a mistake came back and made a big play later. Yeah. Right. Like that's just been the MO of this team and just what a resounding victory after a week of hearing about Washington's offense and et cetera. And I just felt like at one point I'm like, am I too confident here? Like I, I, this isn't how we see it playing out. We, we said early, like I'm, I'm hesitant to say, I think this could be a blowout, right? That doesn't feel fair. Cause Washington is good. Oh, look at this loser. Jay. Hey, Jake, go sit on one. You moron. Again, I can't thank these. Your, Ohio tears, State your tears are delicious, you dipshit. I can't thank these Ohio State fans enough for jumping in, increasing our algorithm. You've been great for Jake, our brand. Wait, for the past we don't cheat us. Oh, oh, no. The Weagles are best. Oh, cheat <laughs> Meanwhile, they've been tampering with Jake, your players. Your trash. Your mom's calling. It's dinner time. Go back to bed, you stupid little shitbag. Oh, so the, the way I kind of started feeling like this game was going to go, the closer it got to it was Michigan and Georgia in 2021, right? Michigan had the Joe Moore award, right? We talked ourselves into, even though this clearly better team and this unbelievable NFL defense existed, we talked ourselves into, yeah, now that we're on the stage or whatever, like we'll get there. And the score was what? 34, 11 Michigan, Georgia. So very similar, but anyway, Josh, this game went, I mean, how I expected, except for real quick. Hell yeah, Donovan Edwards. Couldn't be happier for that guy busting off those two runs. Michigan gets the early lead. Washington's game plans is out the window. The offensive line is just going nuts trying to deal with the pressure. You were there, so give me your thoughts on the game. Like I said, I felt like that kind of played out how we expected. Yeah, it's funny. I I mentioned on the boards this week that, you know, when when I went through the media day, uh, I was like, man, Michigan is like noticeably the larger team than Washington. I mean, I don't want to ever want to call a football team small because obviously these guys go through rigorous training programs. But Washington, if you compared Michigan to Washington, they were small. I mean, their deep offensive line was small. I mean, yeah. you saw that rush by uh, Kenneth Grant just bulldozing that dude, just right on his back. Um, so I think the just the physicality. I, and, I, and I've been telling people all week, Michigan's bread and butter is against finesse teams. It didn't used to be that way. Finesse teams used to be Michigan's kryptonite with Don Brown. 
Um, you know, Ohio State has always been very much kind of a more on the finesse team type of side, but they did have a power running game, which ultimately did do in Michigan a couple of times. Um, but that switch has been flipped immediately. I mean, Michigan feasts on finesse teams. If you're small and don't play physical, you're going to get dominated by Michigan. And they've done that all year long. All the, all the finesse teams, Washington in particular. I mean, they were lighting teams on fire. Washington was with their, with their play. Um, and granted there's a good chunk of the year where Penix was, was hurt and wasn't himself, but, um, plays were there to be made and they weren't made uh, a lot of that because I think Michigan was just a far more physical team and pushed them around and welcome to the big 10 guys, because, uh, you're, that's going to be a very typical game that Washington is going to see for however long this partnership lasts for. And, and I really hope it's not very long because I think both Oregon and Washington additions are, oh, USC and UCLA too, are just Dumb, dumb, um, dumb decisions. But hey, whatever. That's that's not part of the thing. But um, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I think just Michigan was the better team, of course. A more physical team. Uh, the talent, the development of talent. I mean, I know Washington recruits pretty well and, and, and does really well on the West Coast. But um, show me a better program right now that develops players. Um, you know, it doesn't, the development, and that's the thing, development doesn't necessarily have to mean NFL talent if you're winning. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are playing on this team that aren't probably going to play on a bunch of Sundays uh, in the future, but it doesn't matter if you're winning now and winning championships. Um, that's what Michigan is doing. Um, and you know, I, Brock and I had a moment before the game and I was like, I think they're going to kick the crap out of them before this game. And, and lo and behold, uh, here we are. And um, it was just that, it was just that mood. I think you can, I mean, it's, it's easy to, to kind of look back on it now and say, yeah, Bama was probably their national championship because I don't think Washington is better than Bama. Um, but, you know, obviously you still have to play the game, but I think, yeah, I, I just, Michigan's the better team and, they were the better team. They were the best team all year. Um, you know, maybe thanks Alabama for taking out Georgia. And, and I know a lot of Georgia fans were salty last night, but uh, that's why you win your games. That's why you got to win your game. Yeah. They're, they're the second best team in college football. That's not debatable, yep. but in this current format with the four teams, your first playoff game was Alabama in the sec championship. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, yeah, I, I get the arguments frustrating or whatever. And again, I do think you're the second best team in another year where maybe there's not all of these conference champions who have an argument. You probably have a case. Just how it worked out four teams. That's why we're going to 12. But anyway. Hey, and, and and Michigan's quarter quarterfinal game was against Ohio State and they won. Right. So, yeah. you know, the, the Big Ten West is so bad that that technically Michigan Michigan's quarterfinal game was the Ohio State game. Yeah. It came a week earlier than than Georgia's, but Michigan won and Georgia lost. And and you know that's the way it shakes out. Trevor, you you talked about players stepping up and and making big plays after some mistakes. I want to talk a little bit about Keon Sab because absolutely he he missed a pretty critical third down tackle in the first quarter, and it could have cost Michigan. I think Washington got a field goal on that drive. It could have cost him if the game was a, little, was a little closer because that would have made it fourth down and the Huskies would have had to punt. But Keon Sab played out of his mind after that. He had at least two, maybe three 
pass breakups and a bunch of key tackles after that. I talked to him in the locker room after the game. And of course, like a lot of his teammates, he just talked about how he has so much trust in guys like Makari Page and Rod Moore back there in the secondary and how he can play loose and free knowing that those guys are there to help him out. And, you know, he, he, he just played a great game. Keon said Makari Page had, had that uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty or, or whatever they yep. whatever technicality they rule it as. I don't remember if it was unsportsmanlike. Yeah, or that's what they called it because he pushed the guy out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he played a great game. He had a big tackle on, on Michael Penix. They had a uh, designed run for Penix there in like inside the five yard line. And Makari Page made a really nice tackle. He played a great game too. And Mikey Sainer still, I mean, I, in, in, listen, in my opinion, I think they got both the offensive and defensive MVPs of the game wrong. I think I it should have been, I think it should have been Donovan Edwards and I think it should have been Mikey Sainer still. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But Mikey Sainer still's interception was a, just a great way to cap off an amazing career. And, and that tackle too, I can't remember if it was on Roma Dunze or if it was on McMillan or, or any of the other receivers, but that tackle, I, I'm wrapped sure up his legs. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he has him there in, in one-on-one open field and it should have been a first down, but Mikey Sainer still comes right in, gets his arm around the, the dude's midsection and then works his way down to the legs. But just an incredible tackle by Mikey Sainer still. And uh, really the whole secondary played, played great holding Washington to 13 points. That was the lowest of the season. And they scored 15, I think it was, against Arizona State. But just a great job by the secondary. And, and I do think they deserve to be talked about as one of the better defenses in the 21st century, right up there, Trevor, like you mentioned, with 2021 Georgia. But yeah. 10.4 points per game, I think it was. They Something I, I read was that Michigan played 900 minutes of football this year, you know, 15, 60-minute games plus overtime against Alabama, and they trailed for 40-something minutes, I think it was. Like, that's that's absurd, and they only trailed in the second half once against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some I of guess. it was Indiana they were trailing early. Right, <laughs> yep. right. And, and they were down 7 nothing to Rutgers, too, because uh, Rod Moore missed that one tackle on, on the opening drive. But the defense this season was incredible, and it's – it's something that fans shouldn't take for granted because it was it was a masterpiece to watch that defense and Jesse Minter this season. Yeah. So Keon Saab did finish as the second highest graded player on the defense, according to Pro Football Focus. He played 61 snaps in this game. Um, I think Page might have been a little dinged up, but I, I think there was also a coverage advantage they saw with Saab, and he was phenomenal. Targeted seven times, only gave up three receptions for 28 yards. You mentioned the missed tackle. Two pass breakups. Um, obviously, Sainer still had his interception. The man that led the way, the position that led the way, three of the top five defensive tackles. Number one, Mason Graham. Five pressures in this game. Um, just the dude's unreal. Chris Jenkins was up there with three. Kenneth Grant had three. He had the one sack. Uh, I wanted to pull it up ahead of time. I forgot. There's a picture from like behind Penix with um, Grant coming towards him, and it's just insane that the, the monster barreling down on him and i think i was a little i don't know what word i want to use but michael Penix essentially said he didn't think michigan did anything and i know i felt like he was trying to maybe put some ownership on him and executing and missing plays which he did 
He missed some throws. There was the open early on, open throw to Dunze, whatever. But, man, give the team credit for creating that pressure on you, right? We talked about the pressure versus sacks thing and how you can affect Michael Penix with pressure. I predicted there would be a lot of pressure and it would impact Penix, right? I never um, would have predicted this, however. Under pressure, 4 of 18, 58 yards, 2 picks. Under pressure. He, He was under pressure a lot. Yeah, that's so I mean, again, the defense. I just, I, I, I don't, under, I don't understand how people didn't see that coming. Mike Sainer still, Will Johnson, and Josh Wallace, all three graded higher than any single quarterback, Washington cornerback that Washington faced all year, right? And I told Michigan fans, and and it's funny, we've had this conversation every single game all year. When they got that early lead and then just wouldn't keep the pedal to the floor, struggled a little bit, didn't, you know, bury them right away. This is how Michigan wins games because they know in the fourth quarter that's what's going to pay off, right? So, like, we deal with the, whether you want to call it boring them to death or or whatever it might be, right? But it's the balance of offense, defense, and special teams. That's how Michigan wins games. And at the end of the day, 34-13 in the national championship take it right we talked about i want to touch on this real quick and then we'll get back into more details but i had said this last week that i thought the rose bowl game in some ways will probably be remembered almost more than this game right just because of the beating bama and Saban, and then the national championship itself i want to ask you guys because you were there like i said just quick thoughts on this but vince makes this comment was it just me or did the rose bowl feel like the big win and then the championship game was akin to the big 10 championship where we kind of just expected to win i think it's not just that the pageantry of it all right yeah. when i think about the super bowl and the event that is the super bowl right and just the way it feels taking that in as much crap as we give these bowl games right the rose bowl has that right there's something to it and this national championship whether it's the fact that you just paint the end zones black and like, I don't know, there's just a vibe to it that it doesn't reach that next echelon and level moving forward into the playoff. You'll have the the home playoff, the expanded playoff. You'll have the home playoff games, the bowl games, and then obviously the neutral site for the championship game. I feel like something, maybe that will make it feel bigger. The additional playoff games, but I wanted to get your thoughts, you guys being there, especially Brock, you were at both games did it feel like this massive event, this massive national championship? Or was it, again, was it just the foregone conclusion? You were so confident Michigan was going to win, but like it just felt like it had a different vibe to me than what I expected, you know, consuming the team I cover in a national championship to feel like. Absolutely. I, I told Josh this before the game. It kind of goes back to what you were saying last week, Trevor, on the podcast, like, like it was with the 1980 1980- U.S. Olympic national hockey team. They they beat Russia in the semifinal, right? And they went on to play. I I still don't even know was it Finland or, or Norway or something in the in the gold medal game. No, funny, no one, that I, I think I no feel like I know, but now that you asked me, I have to. I don't know. No one, <laughs> no one knows who the United States beat in that. Gold Someone medal in the comments will know. Every, yeah, they they will. But everyone everyone was so obsessed with that that win over over Russia and. Sweden. Sweden. Yes. Thank you. And, and, you know, everyone talks, everyone still talks about that as one of the biggest upsets in in sports history. Obviously the Michigan win over Alabama wasn't necessarily an upset and wasn't, wasn't even comparable to that game at all. But 
the Rose Bowl did feel like the bigger game. And I think a lot of people were kind of thinking that going into the playoff was that Michigan and Alabama was the essentially the national championship game in the sense that it was played at the Rose Bowl. It was college football's two winningest teams, two biggest brands, things of that nature. But I was on the field at the before the national championship game, and it felt like an end-of-the-year celebration for Michigan. And it felt like Washington fans were kind of just happy to be there. It's it, it kind of felt like like this season was just, you know, it came to this point where Michigan kind of knew they were going to win. The fans, especially in, in what I could gather from from being on the field and hearing things pregame, it kind of seemed like Michigan fans were just so confident they were going to win. And they went in and won by three touchdowns. And Washington fans were kind of just happy to be there. I do think 10, 15, 20, 40 years from now. People will probably remember the Michigan win over Alabama and that goal line stand more than probably any play from the national championship game. And I just think I, I it, it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, the win over Washington is bigger. It was it was a bigger game. But I do think a long time from now, people will remember the game against the, Alabama more. The way it ended plays a role in that too, maybe. Yeah. I think I think the month build up to the Rose Bowl and then the quick turnaround of the championship game too is probably a big part of it. I was really surprised, I guess to say, that Jim Harbaugh reached out to Kirby Smart to get advice on that, you know, quick turn time and how to handle that and what to do with it. Props to him. I mean, that's the best person to call at this point, right? So mm-hmm. And I mean, you brought it up, Brock. I don't, you don't mean it in an offensive way by saying they were just happy to be there. They wanted to win the football game. Don't get me wrong. But Michael Penix during the media days literally said that he was like looking around, literally eyes big in the lights. Like, I, I can't believe we're here. Right. And it's just so quick. And then the game sneaks up on you and they had this confidence of, oh, we've been underdogs before we always win, blah, blah, blah. That was just kind of the attitude. And I remembered JJ with TCU last year. And that confidence gets into a cocky level. And I just, I think appreciating your opponent, whether you're just saying it to say it and like creating that image, I think is just important, but yeah, I'll be interested to see moving forward. I just, it was like, so it was just kind of a weird vibe for me that I, that it just didn't ring with me, the national championship, that the way I thought it would sort of speak, but um, we talked about the defense well, a little that and the Washington fans kept barking at everyone. It was just really <laughs> I just hear wolves go out just walking around everywhere. It's just really weird. Is that better than roll tad? Uh, honestly, I'd rather get a roll tar roll roll tide than people out, like barking like a dog. I agree. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh they've got to be so sad tonight. <laughs> yeah, they're whimpering instead of barking tonight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How uh, so you brought it up already, you know, Brock, when it comes to, to the run game, over 300 yards for Michigan in this one. Uh, I've seen a lot of Texas fans who now think that they should have beat Washington and they would have beat us if they would have run the ball more, which that's become my new favorite hobby the last few days is watching other teams' podcasts talk about why they think they should have beat Michigan after watching <laughs> that for some reason. But anyway... I don't know how many times I've said this, a Donovan Edwards game plus, right? A little bit more than extra 21 attempts, 134 yards, two touchdowns. There was a prop bet out there that was like quorum to get 80 yards and two touchdowns. I'm like, that is the easiest. Like, have you watched him play this year? That is the easiest <laughs> bet ever. Yeah. Um, Dono, I, I had a few people say it. 
there was just this vibe this week, man, that he was finally going to break it, right? I think everybody thought it. I don't know how many times I said it during one of these podcasts all year, so I just stopped saying it, right? Um, props to him for coming out and having such a candid conversation about his mental health and how it's impacted him this year. Uh, we kind of, you know, said that, that like there's clearly a hiccup there. So props to him, but man, him breaking that first one out, which, you know, he ran into a pile again, <laughs> found the hole. but breaking that first one out, seeing how happy Blake was for him, how happy the team was for him. Uh, and we've seen it from him all year, even while he's been struggling, he's been celebrating with Blake Corum and celebrating with the team. So he finishes with only six carries, but 104 yards, 17 yards attempt. Two touchdowns of his own. Rock is getting absolutely <laughs> roasted in the comments for no reason. He's catching absolute strays. I've been looking at another screen, so he's getting absolutely just roasted. <laughs> when Brock goes to great clips, they're like, "Are you serious? <laughs> what's your What's your generation called again? What are you? Are you Gen uh, Z? Gen Z, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is the thing you guys do with your hair. Like, have you guys seen JJ with what he has up front? It's just. <laughs> Drew, Drew Aller has the most Gen Z look of all the quarterbacks, I think, though. But uh, anyway, I can't remember. It's four quarterbacks in championship history have 100-yard rushing games. It was like Derrick Henry. I can't remember who the fourth one was, but then Dono and Blake in the same game, which is just wild to me. And again, Josh, Kalel Mullings only gets three carries, seven yards a carry, 21. 17 of those yards came after contact. Alex Orgy, two carries, 15 yards, seven and a half. A little preview kind of into our future conversation, I guess, but Kalel Mullings gets five yards a carry, man. Not because it averages out. He literally gets five yards a carry. The Hassan Haskins comparisons are so obvious. The linebacker converting over, whatever. But that run game, wow. They came, they came in, I don't know if it was the Joe Moore award being on the other side or, or what it was or Washington thinking they could slow him down, but it was pretty clear Michigan was just fine running the ball until they ran out of time on the clock. Yeah. I mean, Michigan was the more physical team and you know, that, that, that first Donovan touchdown, I was like, Oh yeah, this game's over. <laughs> this game is over. I, I, I was, I was no on way. the second one. He had the big run against TCU. Remember I yeah. thought the I thought yeah, the same but, thing. His first big run against TCU, I'm like, oh, this is over. So I'm like, let me get one more, and then I'll feel better. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it had a different feel to it. This whole week had a different feel to it. Um, yeah, it was just really good to see Donovan do his thing. Um, the running game in general. I'm sorry, the the Brock had to order that boys extra small. He's like six three. You guys like what? <laughs> yeah, like, medium. Yeah. Look, we'll take roast. You just got to be funny. Yeah, that's one rule. Yeah, you <laughs> got to come back stronger. We'll laugh at we'll laugh at actual funny ones. <laughs> <laughs> go go ahead, John. Sorry. Wait, real um, quick. While I stopped you and interrupted you, real quick, I'm seeing a lot of conversation about people are asking about like transfer and things like that. I've got it on my list. We will get to some of the transfer portal news and some roster discussion, and obviously some of the coach discussion with the future moving forward. So right. we will it's get. Not, to that. It's not important right now. It's not important right now because Michigan just won a freaking national championship two days ago. We'll get to it eventually. There's been some people complaining about stuff where I'm like, good Lord. They I just know. won the natty. Give it a day. Right. Like, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but anyway, we will talk about it, guys. Don't worry. Exactly. So I just think it's fitting that Michigan did 
what it had to do in such the traditional way of doing it too. Um, making it difficult on themselves too. Yes, they also did that very well uh, during the game, but the just the way they ran the ball was just such a traditional 2022 style of, of game plan. You know, they just, they, they toted the rock, um, moved people. I mean, yeah, the defensive Washington's defensive line was good, but, um, yeah, I mean, you just look at their PFF numbers. I mean, there were like fifties, there were some sixties in there too. It was just bad. It's just, they got worked. They got worked. And that was just a traditional way of, of Michigan doing it. And, and what a way, uh, to show up, what a stage to show up for Donovan Edwards too. I mean, the timing couldn't be better. Um, you know, the, the, the national championship game, you show up and you do that. Uh, people do not, will not care what you did leading up to that. They'll remember you for your two long touchdown runs that kind of set the tone for this game. So, um, yeah, what, what, uh, what Donovan did all year doesn't matter anymore. What matters now is that he cemented his legacy as a big game player. Uh, you know, big games. He stepped up the big 10, uh, big 10 championship last year, stepped up TCU game. He had his, he had his moments. Um, unfortunately, you know, it was a loss. It is what it is, but uh national championship game, uh, showed up, did what he did, not even talking about the Ohio state games too. So, um, he's just, he's, he's a, he's a big, he's a big guy. He's just a big game player. You know, when it counts the most, he's there. Um, yeah, if anyone deserves his roses and, and, you know, his praise tonight, it's, it's, uh, it's Donovan and, um, you know, obviously we'll get to it, but the future, you know, I mean, he's, RB1 in my eyes heading into the year. I mean, as he should be, if he wants to come back and they'll welcome him back with open arms, obviously, but um, he's RB1 in my eyes and him and JJ uh, would, would, you know, be one hell of a, one hell of a duo, uh, you know, coming, coming back next year, but obviously decisions have to be made. um, And we'll kind of, we'll kind of see what happens moving from there. But uh, Michigan did it the Michigan way, you know, as many people want to see the offense become more creative and more passes down the field, it kind of shows you that, Hey, their method worked, even though you may think it's crazy, even though you may think it's the ugly way of, of winning games, they did it. They, they won the game. They won a national championship doing it their way. They didn't have to conform to the, um, style of, of play that everyone else is playing. They did it the Michigan way. And, um, you know, I will not be surprised if other teams start kind of becoming more physical and, um, you know, to kind of do follow the Michigan method. Are you saying I'm not physical? <laughs> You're put not this, physical? put this man with Lou Holtz. I want to oh, know where yeah. Lou Holtz is. Yeah. Uh, Brock, if you had thoughts already, feel free to share. But I did want to let you um, – Josh talked a lot about Donovan Edwards there. Obviously, the other story uh, at running back is Blake Corum, who at this point <laughs> – I mean, it's hard to not live in the moment. But when you think about Woodson and Desmond obviously having the Heisman, but 
Blake Corum with what he's done in the record books as a running back, what he's done for this team, becoming a national champion, what he's met off the field, <laughs> just as a person, he's talked so much about how he wants to be remembered as a great human being. He could care less about the football part. Um, what Blake Corum's legacy at this point, his career is over in Michigan, but man, it is hard to not think we just watched one of the five greatest players in Michigan football history. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, it's impressive because he didn't even really play four full years. His freshman year was a six, six game COVID year. And, you know, then he, then he comes out, he's playing behind Hassan Haskins in, in, in 2021, he was injured for part of that year. And 2022, he comes out and he would have won the Heisman had he not gotten injured, but you're absolutely right. He's, he's absolutely one of the five best players in, in Michigan football history. I, he's, undoubtedly the best running back in program history in my mind. I don't think it's it's really even all that close. I've been defending Tyrone Wheatley as the best running back for so long. It's going to take me a while to adjust, but man, yeah, in nice. this era of football with that many touchdowns and the wins and everything, yeah, it's, yeah. I think you're right, Brock. You set the standard. Yeah. 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 And I think it's it's so hard to compare eras to. I think Tom Harmon was a running back. Punter. Um, Quarterback, everything. Ever. Yeah. 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 So it, I mean, yeah, Harmon's obviously in the conversation. I'm thinking modern era, 870. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah. He, then he, then Coram's absolutely number one, in my opinion. It's, it's not close. He, what does he end with? 58 touchdowns, 58 rushing touchdowns. He had three receiving touchdowns, two. He, and oh, he passed I, Jake Moody for points, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just, just an incredible. Michigan career and everything you can say about him that he did on the field, you can you can say even more about how good he was off the field and and like you just mentioned, Trevor, that's that was his main goal after his four years at Michigan was to be remembered as a guy who who did good in the community and and his his Thanksgiving his annual Thanksgiving uh, turkey tr turkey trot or whatever he calls it I don't even know <laughs> he, his turkey giveaway thing. You know, that's that's just one of many examples, you know, visit visiting kids in, in hospitals, things like that. He he's a great man, great football player, and he's gonna be remembered for a long, long time. Number the, the jersey number two needs needs to be like retired for both of both Woodson and Blake Corum. No one should ever wear it again. I mean, they're they're both so incredible. He Blake Corum has gotta be. Sorry, you're you're bringing back the horrors of the the, <laughs> the patches. <laughs> yeah. And, oh. <laughs> well, that shows how far Michigan's come. I mean, geez, not that long ago that we were talking about, you know, well, hell, will they even make a bowl game? <laughs> right. you know, it's been a it's come a long way. But Blake Corum's right up there with Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard. If you want to include Tom Harmon, sure. And I don't know if there's there's many more other Wolverines up there so in that tier. Don't don't show your age too much here trying to stretch your football knowledge <laughs> here. <laughs> I, I feel like I know. No, I I just love to, I just love giving you shit, dude. <laughs> I the he did finish with 58 touchdowns your correct career. I think what's amazing about his single season record though, so Haskins had 20, he finishes with 27. Um that is based on everything basically post-World War II, right? There's just certain stats that aren't kept from that era, right? But the numbers that are on file of Willie Heston in 1901 and Albert Herdstein 
1902, back when they were the point a minute, blah, blah, blah. The record was 26. So even if you want to count literally turn of the century Michigan football, no one wearing a Michigan football uniform has rushed for more touchdowns than Blake Corum. 144 years. Just remarkable, man. Like you said, uh, amazing person and him coming back this year and, and the unfinished business and the bringing this culture to another year, right? I think we're, we're going to move into some of the future conversation here. What Blake Corm and those guys did. The question is now what's next, right? We've talked about 21, 22, 23, kind of feeling like its own era, right? The, the big decision, obviously out there, Donovan, has to decide. We saw with the senior bowl invites, Roman Wilson and a couple other guys that had some eligibility remaining might be leaning towards going, but anyway, JJ McCarthy, right? That, that, that's what matters. Uh, arriving back with the team, the crowd's chanting one more year. We've seen mock drafts that have him anywhere from the top 10 to the 10 through twenties. Mel Kuyper said he's probably first half of the second round, right? There's, there's some wide range of opinion there. But that being said, I, I've said for a while, Josh, I know you have some sources on this and what his thinking's been pre-natty for a while, right? Which is, I think this is a Michigan decision. He said he thinks there's things he could still do in college to learn to maybe better prepare him for the NFL. But I wonder if he's literally ready to leave Michigan yet or if he wants to do what Blake Corham did, right? And be the guy that comes back and not only takes the baton, but then passes it to the next guys, keeps this culture train going. Right. And, and maybe other guys come with them and, and they take another run at another national championship. Right. But in a way, his return just keeps this door open instead of closing it to like a retool, if you will. Um, we've said for a while, we felt it was more likely than not that he was probably going to come back again. I'll let you talk on some of that. Mm -hmm. I wonder how the natty might change. Right. You've won the national championship. I think there's got to be a feeling of, okay, I've, I've done everything I came here to do. I beat Ohio State every time I played them, right? Um, but that that's kind of the next step here, right? Obviously, Jim Harbaugh, we'll get to him in a minute. But in terms of players, J.J. McCarthy, I know he wasn't a captain because he wasn't a seater, but McCarthy was a leader on this team. If he comes back, he's obviously going to be a captain, and he'll just bring this – he was the one that told everybody to calm down. Do you remember that? That tweet yeah. from 2020? Mm -hmm. So he's the one that started. He's the one that could keep it going potentially. But how do you feel about McCarthy, his career potentially being done or maybe one more? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing. I think it really kind of comes down to where, you know, the, his pre-draft grades kind of show him to be, you know, where the NFL scouts are kind of telling him where he might go. So I mean, so you do think if they are like, Hey, you're top 15, that's a bigger part of the decision. I think it will play into it for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the be all end all, but you know, I think if they're saying, Hey, you're going to be a top 15 pick, um, that's going to give him something to think about for sure. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't think the, any, any NIL money is not going to be able to compete with a, with a first high first round draft grade. I mean, I, there's, there's no way. So well, we know JJ has been giving NIL money to teammates and stuff. Like, I, I'm not sure that that's a huge motivating right. factor. It, anyway, and it's, no, it, it, it won't be, but I'm just saying for people who think that, you know, Oh, and yes. I can pay for it, it's um, the Marvin Harrison, 25 million 
where the hell are people getting this? Yeah. From? Yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Right. So, and I think it's, it's really tough. It's a tough call. I mean, I, I don't have anything concrete either way. I know some people in his, uh, in his, you know, group want him to go, but uh, again, it's his, it's his decision to make. And man, I, he had a couple of plays during that national championship game where I thought, okay, yeah, he's not ready, but then he goes ahead and, and makes some really just some incredible throws. I mean, that one to Colson Loveland was an absolute missile. He had an absolute dart to Roman Wilson earlier in the game too. So. Oh, that first throw to Roman. Yeah. 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 I, I tweeted something like Washington fans are learning JJ can throw in real time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That was such, that's an NFL throw. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. So man, it's a tough, it's a tough call. I mean, I think, I think JJ comes back, but that's not that doesn't mean anything, you know. I I, I think also think Harbaugh comes back too. Uh, I, I think both of those guys are probably in some way linked together, um, mm. and I don't think it's and I don't think it's a guarantee that if one goes, the other goes, vice versa. But um, I think he could make some money, some NFL money, if he stays. Uh, he can, like he said, he's got some things that he can learn. Um, you know, would, is he the type of guy where you can plug and play in the NFL right away? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to be a guy that gets taken and kind of, you can kind of develop him a little bit until, uh, he's ready. But so you kind of be great for him if they did, I wish more teams would do that. Right. So that, that, that kind of, that kind of weighs into it too. Would you rather, be drafted by someone with the potential of you sitting for a year or two, whatever behind someone else and learning, or would you rather stay at Michigan for a year and play and learn and that play way. a lot of football and learn that way? It's a tough call in NIL. I mean, and, and I've obviously I've said, obviously everyone said that NIL is not an issue with, with JJ and that's true. And, and NIL does help in that way too, that you're not really, missing out on a ton of money um if you decide to stay so and i know that that one more year fund is putting is going to make some some money um and just they're going to hit their they're going to hit their million dollar goal they're going to hit the, and that's just in crowdfunding too that's not in you know private donors and all that stuff yeah too. they're up they're they're going for 10 million there yeah, and they're like halfway they, started, yeah, right? they have like five right now actually i think they're, there's a comment yeah somebody said they're about halfway at the 10 million and then oh, okay and the crowdfund doesn't include the hundred thousand and two hundred thousand dollar match yet, right? Exactly. So, so they, yeah, I was told. I tell that you guys, was, winning. Yeah, it's amazing what winning that, does. I was told <laughs> that nil was bad, yeah. but I guess uh, I guess I keep that, telling everybody that brings up that's wrong. Why isn't basketball? Oh yeah, we'll get to basketball in a moment. But oh, yeah, I got why is why is basketball not getting nil? It seems you're working for Michigan. Winning. Yeah, I got plenty to say about basketball for yeah, sure. We'll get to that. Um, so that that's a tough one. I mean, I can't I can't sit here at all with any kind of confidence yet to say one way or the other what JJ is going to do. I think he comes back, and in turn, I think Harbaugh comes back too. Um, I I just I think they're linked, and they'll forever be linked. And I just, um, man, it, it's going to be an interesting couple of days. And. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. Oh, yeah, it's guaranteed. If one goes, the other goes, and vice versa. But yeah. I do think there is that pool, or excuse me, that pool, that pull of if he knows he's coming back to Harbaugh. Who right? 
and you know they've talked, and you know they've talked about it. And they're not, and they, and they're fully aware of what's going on. They're not completely in the dark about things. So, yep. um, we just know not, we know JJ been, hasn't decided to go. Otherwise, Michigan would have been active in the portal, right? Back. That's so, that at minimum. We know he hasn't decided yet. That's a big thing too. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I mean, until I hear something concrete, I just I think. JJ comes back. I think I'm not saying I know, I think so. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting, I mean, they, they're, they're running out of time. You know, he's got to make a decision here pretty quick, but the 15th. Yeah. If, if I could give my thoughts really quick. No, absolutely. Um, not. <laughs> I've got a lot of them. I'm going to try and stay organized here. First of all, plenty of people asked JJ in the weeks leading up to the Alabama game, if he had thought about, you know, his, his decision after this season. And he said, no, he's, he's completely focused on the Alabama game, focused on, on helping this team win a national championship, which, which they did. Whether or not you believe him, that's, that's up to you. I did. I I do think he's talked about it. Like you said, Josh, a little bit with Harbaugh, but for the most part, I think he's mainly been focused on, on leading the team to a national championship. So he gets a week. If, 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 if you believe him in, when he says that he doesn't think about it, he doesn't, you know, talk to agents or whatever and try, try and weigh his, weigh his pros and cons before the season is over. Then he has a week from, from Monday when the season ends to Monday, January 15th, when the deadline is. That's not enough time, in my opinion. I don't think – obviously, Michigan was playing – longer than any other team in the country besides Washington. I don't think a week is enough time to make that kind of a decision for a 20 year old kid to have to decide if he's going to go pro or stay in college. That's just my, my thoughts on that. With that being said, I think he goes for two reasons. One, Trevor, you brought up the, the one more year type thing like Blake Corum did coming back. I think that's a, I think this is a little bit different situation because Last year, Michigan had just lost to TCU, sure. and I think I think Blake Corum was dead set on was coming you back. You said last week, had they won the game, that had they beat TCU, maybe they wouldn't have had that same pull to come back. Yeah, I, yeah, that, and that's another thing too. I think I think losing to TCU was the best thing that could have ever happened to Michigan because I don't think guys like Trevor Keegan, Blake Corum, Chris Jenkins come back. And are so focused on winning a national championship this year. I think that's that's a another conversation for another day. Going back to what I was saying, last year was a little bit different because Blake Corum was dead set on coming back to help Michigan win a national championship. He couldn't play in the TCU game and that killed him. And so he came back with one goal, and that was to win the national championship. And they did. This year's a little bit different because Michigan just won the national championship. In my opinion, I don't feel like J.J. McCarthy has much more to prove in his college career. No, I, yeah, I don't think that's debatable. I, yeah. I don't think I don't think another national championship, another Big Ten championship, is really going to mean much more. So that's that's reason one. I don't think he comes back. Reason number two is because even if he does, Michigan's going to run the ball quite a bit again. And you know, Harbaugh said going into this year, he'd like to have it be. 50-50 in terms of run pass. I think he said that at, at Big Ten Media Days or whatever it was before the season. I'd like to see the numbers because I know it wasn't 50-50. It's like I 58. Bet it, 
I bet it was more, yeah, closer to yeah, 58, 60 in terms of run. I don't think he's going to be able to improve his draft stock that much more if he comes back. He's already being graded as as a first round pick on on many mock drafts. If he comes back, I'm I'm not confident in the fact. I know I know Harbaugh and the staff have so much trust in him and so much faith that that he is the quarterback and he obviously is. I still don't think they're going to let him throw it all that much just because the run game works so well. And I don't think he's going to be able to improve his draft stock enough to the point where it was really worth not I don't want to say wasting a year of his football playing career his but earning potential and yeah right he I mean he can he can get drafted and maybe he won't play right away but he'll be learning in an NFL system and he he, he <laughs> get out of here Bryce uh what are you doing in here get out of here <laughs> Bryce anyway this was I, accurate and obvious takes <laughs> Bryce marriage. That's Get funny. Out of here, Bryce. Bruce. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's that's just where I'm at. I, I I think he goes because just because he doesn't have a lot more left to prove, and I don't think he can Im- improve his draft stock all that much. Like, let's say he gets drafted midway through the first round. If he comes back, is is he really gonna is coming back? and playing another year of college worth it to get bumped up 10 slots, 10 spots in the, in the NFL draft. Yes. yes. You think so? Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. Money yeah. for one thing. I, I, <laughs> your whole conversation, your whole conversation, Brock, it goes back to what Trevor said. This isn't an NFL decision. This is a Michigan decision. I think he loves, I think him. he loves being in Michigan. I, yeah. think, he I, I think he does too, but. And I know I, people hate when you say that. Cause it's like, well, yeah, he loves college. He's going to give up $20 million. Yeah, there are Astro yeah. Burrow, 100%. Yeah, compare his LSU. Yeah, I don't think – I think people 100%. forgot he played two years at LSU. Yep. I don't think people were – now, he had Justin what? Jefferson and right. Jamar exactly. Chase. <laughs> and they let, him, they let him throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. McCarthy's never going to do that. And I don't, I don't think he has to, though. Because to your, against your point, Brock. What did you just say? Where is he projected to go in the draft right now? Mid first round. I've seen him at five though. There's there's been some that have him at and, five, and he's not throwing the ball now. Yeah, so, that's like, true. So but, I mean, it. There, I don't think that the yardage part matters. I think it does for Heisman and some of that stuff. I think his draft stock goes up next year for no reason other than Caleb Williams and Drake May won't be in the draft. That, right? That's a good point. So I think he goes up because of that too. Um, Michigan said at the beginning of the year, which one is that? Is that Franklin? Yeah, well, it was a neighbor's dog first, and then yeah. uh, I heard from Franklin in a while. Franklin <laughs> hates that dog, by the yeah. way. Speaking that. of Franklin, the best agent in college sports, James Franklin's agent, somehow getting his name attached to that Alabama opening. Ha! <laughs> Get yourself another extension, buddy. Good lord. Yeah. Um, no, Michigan wanted to be more explosive this year. They were very open about that. Sharon Moore said, if you prove to be explosive, we're going to use you. It's that simple, right? Roman Wilson was that guy early. We saw Samaj Morgan show, show flashes of being explosive. They leaned into him. After that, they weren't explosive. They, you know, Cornelius Johnson, we wondered if maybe he could have that deep threat. Obviously, you know, he just is who he is at this point. Nothing wrong with that, but he is who he is. Tyler Morris, 
was a guy we thought maybe in a Z role could be that explosive guy. It took a little bit for things to click with him. You saw his speed in that Rose Bowl. I one of my favorite calls from that game is his touchdown because you can literally hear in Fowler's voice the realization that oh this dude's got SEC speed yeah. he's gonna score. <laughs> you know, Morris like he freaks out right. So, <laughs> um, I you know. And we'll get to this. Darius Clemens obviously entered the transfer portal. Guys, you need to separate who we thought Clemens was going to be and who he is from that portal discussion. I love Darius Clemens. I projected that dude to be a star since he got here. He had two great springs. It hasn't translated to the field. Like it's just the idea he was just going to show up and be wide receiver one next year and this be what we thought Nico Collins was going to be. There's just no signs of that. Michigan's been active very active in the portal looking for big body receivers right so that's kind of what we're looking at jamal banks wake forest feels like he might be waiting on jj's decision he's the big body receiver colston loveland i don't know if people realize it was quiet he matched jake butt's best year this year in terms of receptions and yards and he's coming back next year right Healthy Morris, Samaj Morgan, Fred Moore, Carmel English, a bunch of smaller but speedy guys coming in. Um, Kalel Mullings is apparently a receiving threat as well. That was news to me, but there you go, right? So are they going to throw it a ton more next year? No, Brock, I'm with you. I don't think they will. But he's only going to get better with more experience because that's what happens with every college player. His numbers will get better. Michael Penix looks like a god. So does Bo Nix. Well, they've been playing college football for nine years. They should look that good, right? So I'm with you, though, a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's sitting there nickel and diming. Like, do I want to go up five picks? Do I want to? Blah, blah. I've made the argument before. Honestly, I'd rather be drafted in the back half of the first round than the front. I'm probably going to a better team. Right? Like, so. Yeah. There's some semantics to that, but JJ is just such a like present person and like the way he thinks. And I, I don't know. I, I think this is, you're right, Brock. There's no way he hasn't thought about this decision. I think that's crazy. Josh, you're right. I do think they've talked about it, him and Harbaugh, mm-hmm. even if it was something like Jim mentioning, you know, we will get into the Jim conversation now, I guess, you know, Jim. Well, I want to talk about the offense real quick too. Okay. We're talking about, you know, everyone talks about, you know, Michigan's lack of, lack of explosiveness and stuff. And that's what Michigan needed this year. You know, I had more explosives out of a night of eating Taco Bell than Michigan had on offense all year, but they didn't need that. That's what they need. They, what they did is they chunked, <laughs> they chunked you to death. Can I ask you how long you've been like waiting to say that? No, I, it wasn't waiting that long. It just came in? <laughs> no, I mean, I was sitting on it, but it wasn't like, yeah. I mean, it's true though. Okay. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't, they didn't need the explosiveness this year to get the job done. Maybe they need to be more explosive next year, but that's a conversation for down the line. I mean, everyone talks about the offense. Yeah. They could have had a better day offensively uh on on monday yeah i get it but they did what they needed to do within their scheme this year and they got the job done so yeah i mean i understand where the um 
<laughs> Josh was sitting on the explosive tire. Yeah, I mean, I I had uh, you know, Jason. I had a little accident before the show, so I've been sitting on my <laughs> explosive Taco Bell. It's uh, it's bad. It's bad. But um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, gross. Yeah, well, you know the things I do for this podcast. I just, I think. <laughs> All right. I've got to, you. Why you wonder why I have toilet paper next to my next to my computer? It's Ryan still here. Of course it is. I got all Ryan next to me here. Yeah, my pal Ryan. Um, I just totally lost track of what I uh, uh, explosive offense. Yeah. So yeah, they they went fifteen and zero. They they ran the table. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. None of this talk of the year doesn't matter anymore. Michigan won the national championship. They've answered every question that I've ever had um, about this team all year. Every question. What they do next year is what they do next year based on the personnel they have. The personnel they have this year made them not as explosive. And even in the wrong game. they've showed the ability to adjust. That's a really Right. They've showed the ability to adjust and do things within the style of defense they're going to play, Penn State all runs the second half. That's what they needed to do to win. Um, you know, I really wasn't sure what the game plan offensively is for Washington, but it doesn't matter. They won. Won by double digits. They won handedly. Um, Ohio State, they got the job done. Made big plays when it counted. It doesn't matter, you know. You don't have to thrive off the twenty-five yard quick plays, um, you know, the the three play a minute thirty drives that you know you score quick. You they know, don't want it, to. They want their defense. Right. This is what yeah. Michigan does. So, you know, you want if you want your wide receivers streaking downfield and Michigan delivering the ball to them. They tried that a couple of years ago and it didn't work. You know, if if you're, it's just that's just the way. It's going to be, you know, right now, the way that Michigan's offense is, you know, you're not going to have very many big plays if you're a wide receiver. Yeah, you're going to have passes, but a lot of your catches are going to be chunk yardage. And, you know, it's up to you if you get open and things like that. So I think you nailed it about uh, about Clemens, too, is that he just, you know, he would have played if he was enough. If he was enough to play, if he had the had the, I mean, his biggest thing is he can't couldn't block. If you can't block, you're not going to play. You have to do it all. And there was obviously something that, I mean, Samaj Morgan played over him. I mean, there's there's Fred Moore. Fred Moore played over. Fred him. Moore played over him. Right. There's more. There's more to the story than oh, just a four star kid going. Yeah. So there, I would caution people to, you know, a depth guy because that's what he is. He is a depth guy. He never proved he never proved himself to be the big guy. You know, I would caution not to freak out about depth players leaving because there's reasons they're leaving, and he didn't see the field, and there's a reason why he didn't play because they're not gonna shelve. Uh, you know, the way they rotate, they're not gonna keep a guy shelved. You would see the field if you could play and if you could fit. And maybe Clemens was just a bad fit from the start, and that's okay. It happens. But, you know, I, I would caution people for, for freaking out um, 
you know, first of all, because Michigan just won a national championship. And second of all, they'll be fine. They'll find someone to replace him. And, and again, it's not like this offense is just throwing for four, 5,000 yards a season. It's not, that's not what Michigan is. And that's not what Michigan has been forever. So, you know, it's very rare that you see these big play wide receivers, the Braylons, the Mario Manninghams and things of the Nico Collins come through and, and perform. It's very rare. And that's just the way Michigan. Rob. It, it's just, it's just the way that, that Michigan plays on offense. So, you know, the last time we saw Michigan try a wholesale change on offense, you got Josh Gaddis. You had a Pep Hamilton. You had disasters. Oh, Pep. So now that Michigan is finally, they've got the guys. They've got what, you know, they need. And if they get Jamal Banks from Wake Forest, he a lot of your so questions, good. a lot of your questions are answered right there because he's a six-four guy that can block. And they you if you can't he wins, block, he wins 50-50 balls. He, yeah. He doesn't get a lot of yards after the catch, but nobody does. You have so. to be a whole you complete receiver. You can't just be a one sided guy. You can't just be a big play receiver. You got to do it all in Michigan's offense. And that's just the way it's gonna be. And Michigan fans are probably gonna hate that that I say this, but you know, if you're a big time wide receiver, this offense is probably not going to cater to your needs. And that's why they're not getting these big guys because they don't want to do the tough stuff. They don't want to do the, the um, just the stuff for the team. They want to get theirs and you will get theirs if you are with the team and do things for the team to help the team. I mean, yeah, Michigan's going to throw the ball, and but you're going to have to do all the other stuff. You're going to have to block downfield with passing plays, running plays, and big time wide receivers don't want to do that. And sorry, I mean Bryce Underwood too. He doesn't want to go to an offense where you kind of throw these intermediate passes. He wants to let it rip, and that's okay. You know, Michigan is going to be okay. I think Carter Smith is going to be very good. He's a top fifty wide receiver, and I think he has a oh, chance man. to be a five star. So it's oh, there's a method to the madness. There is a method to the madness. And obviously what that math that what that madness looks like depends on what Jim Harbaugh does. So, you know, if he leaves, then, you know, we'll kind of see what happens after that. But Michigan's got their guys. They've got their culture. They they know what they want. And sometimes kids just don't want to be just they want to try something new. And that's and that's okay. Um, you know, I kind of rambled here a little bit, but, um, I just caution people not to worry, uh, too much because I really think they, they've got this figured out. I mean, they've, they've, it's clear, obviously. I mean, the, the proof is there. The, the last thing I'll say on the offense too, I've spent a lot of the last month and a half talking about the, the misconceptions of the Michigan offense. They actually had an, ex a higher explosive per play rate than Washington. They don't run a lot of plays. Right. This national championship game, you guys might know, might not know. I know. Do you know how many big plays Washington had? What's considered a big play? Anything over 20 yards. One, right? One. Yeah. yeah. Michigan had six. Yeah. And all we heard about was Washington's explosive offense, right? Now that's what having the number one in the number one defense in the country does for you, but there you go. So yeah, I like I like the Banks kid from Purdue a lot. Or excuse me, Wake Forest. The, the gold and the black, man. They look so similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Well, and I mean, it wouldn't be the first really good player to leave Wake Forest and go right. succeed in the Midwest. Yep. Sam Hartman, Kenneth Walker. But uh, yeah, I, I think he'd be a perfect fit for what this team does because other guys are looking at him like, yeah, he's big and he can win jump balls, but doesn't really get deep, doesn't do the yards after catch. Guess what? We don't need him to do that. He's a great blocker, great with catching balls in traffic, incredible hands, you know, back shoulder, you name it. So anyway, I would, I would just say really quickly, I know we're going to move on here in a second. One last thing. <laughs> You're good, dude. I, I know with Cornelius Johnson and Cornelius Johnson has to go. Roman Wilson doesn't, yeah, he's but gone. He's, he's gone. With that, with those two leaving and Darius Clemens entering the portal, that immediately makes wide receiver one of the more intriguing position groups on the team in the weeks and months after this season is over. You're looking at a group with Tyler Morris, Samaj Morgan, Fred Moore, Carmelo English. That's about it, really. So I do think – uh, Peyton O'Leary's season is coming. Is it okay? All right. Okay. I'll 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 believe that when I see it. But uh, remember how everyone was trying to convince me every article I put out for my preview this summer, like you got Peyton O'Leary at wide receiver three. What's going on? Didn't you see yeah. that spring game? <laughs> I'm not trying yeah. to pick on the kid. It's just funny. So I I do think you know that's 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 a position in before spring ball that that really needs to be addressed. And obviously Banks is probably the number one target. And like you, like you guys mentioned, you might be waiting to see what JJ does, but definitely in a position group that needs to be addressed. That's, that's for certain. Well, and don't, and don't forget too, there's also one more portal uh, yeah, window to open in, in the end of spring. And I think honestly, uh, if you want my opinion, I think that's where Michigan's going to do their most work I agree. Uh, after they kind of, and that's also why I think that's also plays into why Harbaugh bumped back spring practice a month too is to kind of once they get closer to the to the window um we'll we'll kind of see how that wait i know i'm trying did we miss yeah, this while um, we were on the pod i just saw um, that i don't think he's in i don't think english entered unless unless people are mistaking clemens hold on we're working on breaking news here yeah sorry i'm not seeing no. it yeah no darius clemens entered the portal yeah, Darius Clemens entered. I'm sitting here like, what? Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. uh, they've got another good freshman class of receivers coming in too. Obviously, you you can't bank on those guys being major contributors earlier. I yeah. mean, what Samaj Morgan did as a freshman is pretty impressive in this offense. So, I mean, that's kind of the ceiling, in my opinion, from a freshman receiver. But yeah. 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 So they've got some things to. I mean, they'll they'll assess the roster, and and uh, there'll be plenty of guys. Uh, and come spring that, that hit the portal and, and who knows, maybe, you know, with, with Saban retiring, there's going to be a shock wave of people uh, of things happening. So who knows, maybe they take advantage of that. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I mean, there's a way that they can kind of get into that stockpile if they really wanted to. So the, the um, domino effect is going to be unbelievable. Oh yeah. It's because not be only do Bama players have 30 days right now. Yep. It's going to be the who the next coach leads. Right. Let's say Dan Lanning gets that gig. Yep. Now Oregon. Yep. yep. Opens up right, and then yep. Oregon's a big job, right? So yeah. whoever Oregon hires. I mean, if if that were to happen, I'd highly. There's really no one coordinator wise that sticks out to me right now that would be just a lock for for Oregon. I would feel like they would make kind of a bigger splash for that. So there you go. 
just the, the shockwave of what could happen to is can also play just that just well. just for fun. And February and signing day is coming up too. Yep. So you know there, there's there's oh, yeah, Bama just Bama just lost Ryan Williams. Yeah, they're a five star receiver who you know changed the twenty four class. Uh, I don't know if I truly believe this is going to happen or if I just want it to. I do think Dan Lanning is going to Bama as soon as that came out that Saban retired. That's what I said. And yep. poor Oregon, my God, the Taggart and then Mario, which maybe that's a warning sign to Dan Lanning that it's not always best to leave Oregon and head south. But right. If Oregon opens up, I think it's Dion because that dude with Nike resources, my God, <laughs> I don't think it would be. I think they'd make a, a smarter hire than that, but that'd be wild. Well, I, I, <laughs> I don't think, yeah. I mean, I don't think Oregon's that great of a job. If we're being honest, it I apparently think... isn't because they can't keep these guys when they're winning there. Right. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, Look, well, Landing, they just got, Landing got his start at Bama. He installed Bama system at Georgia. I don't know if people realize that. Like, what Georgia does is from Dan Landing installing it there. Obviously, Kirby came from Georgia, but like, he was a major part of their best defenses. So, right. I think if Bama hires Dabo, they have screwed themselves for the next decade. A few oh. years ago, a few years ago, I was convinced he was going to end up there. Yep. The timing of this, I. I mean, there's his just comments no of not wanting to adapt. 100%. You've seen exactly what happens when you don't adapt. Mm -hmm. Clemson sucks. I've seen the idea of them stealing Sark from Texas too, which Texas spent years trying to get Saban. That would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I mean, I, all, all I know is that somehow James Franklin has like the best agent in unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, they wanted to fire him and then they couldn't because of his contract. Now he's going to get another one. Right. But anyway, yeah. let's talk about Michigan's coach, Jim Harbaugh. So I, I'm going to say something first and then we'll kind of talk about the landscape. What I said earlier when we were going to talk about this was that I feel like the Harbaugh situation today is not any different than it's been. Right. And this is what it is. Jim Harbaugh loves Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh's family loves Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh would be 100% perfectly content finishing his career here at Michigan. Everything is near perfect at Michigan, except he can't win a Super Bowl, right? That little sliver has been open that he would like to win a Super Bowl. What I think people, especially NFL media people, have not seemed to understand is as much as he wants to win a Super Bowl, He's not going to sacrifice all the other things that are good to do it, right? I think since he left for Michigan, there's been this feeling that, well, he's only going to go there for a little bit. This is the NFL. He can't take college over the NFL. He'll be back. He'll be back, right? And all these rumors every year that come out, a lot of times they're not him. It's just him being used for clickbait. And a big reason why with NFL rules, I don't know if you've noticed, the tide already started turning Harbaugh betting odds and some of the rumors. Once the door becomes open and these NFL teams can actually start talking to other assistant coaches and other people they want to interview, all the Harbaugh talk starts to go down. The reason it's so high in the beginning is he's the only one that can be talked about in those circles, right? So here's what I'm saying. Harbaugh's not leaving for any NFL job. I have never believed that. I think Harbaugh needs to have a situation so perfect for his family that he can, his parents are here, right? His son's on the staff, grandkids, kids here, whatever, right? A situation so perfect for his family that he can justify moving them. 
the roster has to be in a situation where he feels like he can win, right? He knows you don't get a ton of time in the NFL. Maybe there's got to be a quarterback there already. Maybe there's an opportunity to get a quarterback, but he wants to feel good about that. We know how the owners of the NFL feel about him, right? And maybe some things about him being difficult to work with. There's some really bad owners in the NFL. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to what's happening in Carolina, yep. right? Like there are some bad owners in the NFL. He's not going to just go to any team, right? So he's got to have a really good relationship there. I don't think he wants full control of the roster. He's never been a GM before, right? But he wants say in roster for sure, right? So what he needs is an NFL team where he can win. They're close to a Super Bowl, maybe have a quarterback. They're going to make him the highest paid coach in the NFL too. I know he doesn't care about money, right? We've heard that, but he's not leaving for less. You're going to make him the highest paid coach in the NFL, right? He has to have some say in the roster, which owners and GMs have never been more controlling than they are right now. They're not going to give this dude a ton of control, right? And we know they're cheap. They've been hiring coordinators for low money because they want them to just run the scheme and then they can control the roster, whatever. And it's got to be a perfect situation for his family. Josh has brought this up a bunch of times. As much as it's like, well, is Harbaugh going to go to the NFL? He has not been offered a job in the NFL once. Let's be clear about that. Jim Harbaugh has never been offered a job in the NFL. Not to do anything with him as a coach. Jim Harbaugh is a fantastic coach. He's arguably one of the best coaches ever, especially with the success he's had at both levels, right? But the NFL is a very different league now, right? So I think our ears kind of all went up with the Chargers because of where they are in Los Angeles, close to Sarah's family. It's a good roster, but I would argue they're going into cap hell, right? They not recloaded. I love how he's gone from hating chickens to loving them. I think that's so funny. But anyway, it, it's got to be the perfect situation for him. And then that team's got to offer him everything he wants. Mm-hmm. So everything's got to come together. So Josh, long rant over. That's how I think it's been, how it's always been, how it always will be. Like the door's cracked open in case that perfect situation ever comes. I don't know about any of you. If you've ever had the job that's perfect, that's the mm-hmm. best time to look for other work because you're not going to leave for just anything. If something comes along that's better than the perfect job you have, then great, right? So that's anyway. why that's why that's why we're here. That's why we're here. <laughs> I did it. I did it. I'll be more than happy to admit it. Yeah. I got offered a better job. And that's not, and I'm not um crapping on the guys but, at 247. And, I'm just saying no, it's a dream. Team. You own the site. Yeah, right. For me yeah. personally, it was a better job and I took it. Yeah. Uh, people are saying Denver. He was not offered the job in Denver. No, he talked to Denver. He talked to Denver. He was he not talked offered to Carolina too, but he was not offered a job. And, and here's the other part of it too: the interview part, right? That, that the whole thing with the Vikings. I think Harbaugh thought he was getting that job when he went to Minnesota because he wouldn't have gotten on the plane otherwise, right? right. And then it was very clear in that interview process that. The new GM had a relationship with him in San Francisco. It was kind of a favor to him. The owner already had some feelings about Jim before he got there. And I love Jim to death. And I think his awkwardness, goofiness, whatever term you want to use is completely misunderstood and misplayed and whatever. But real quick, us still talking or you still watching? What a Saturday, <laughs> you douchebag. Josh, can you take care of him for me real quick? Thank you. I can't get into the Twitter. The, oh, it's on reason. Twitter. All right. Keep talking to you more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, will an NFL team offer him everything he wants? 
or will Jim maybe make some concessions now that he's won a national championship and go to the NFL? That's how I think the race is. Um, I don't remember which NFL analyst I saw today. that was like, Oh yeah, he's going, he's made his mind. Anyone telling you they know what Jim Harbaugh is thinking is lying. <laughs> they don't. Mm-hmm. Jim knows what he's thinking. Maybe Sarah, Jack, probably maybe John. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But anyway, Josh, if you want to make a prediction, feel free, but, or correct anything I said, but just what, what are you, your thoughts? And then I've seen people say this too. If Jim does leave, is Sharon more a lock to be named the head coach? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think it's about pretty much as close as you can be to a lock, but, but that's me guessing uh, that it would be Sharon after, after Jim. I mean, if you, if you want to keep the, the culture you have now, uh, not rocking the boat too much in terms of wholesale changes within the program, uh, you know, wholesale changes with, with recruiting and the staff. I think uh, Sharon is probably your best bet. Uh, he's proven, you know, in the, in the four games he's coached, he, that he's capable of running a team on game day. Um, but I don't know if I, I'm not convinced, you know, I'm really not convinced. So personally, I think Jim comes back. I think, uh, I, I just, I just think it's really, it would be really tough for him to leave. And I don't know what the perfect job would be in the NFL. I mean, I guess we'd find out what the perfect job is. Cause if he took one, you know, right. if he was offered one and took one, then there it is. That's the perfect NFL job. Um, but man, I, I don't know. It's just, he's got everything there everything's there i mean yes he's accomplished what he set out to do but he has a chance to build on this now he could be he could be the greatest coach in michigan history right absolutely and he's not that far away from winning he's close so i mean he has a chance to build a statue to have a statue built after him i mean i mean and anyone that would have an ego that likes that would like an ego to be stroked yeah, a statue would probably do that for you. I mean, Saban has a has a, a statue outside of. I don't outside. think I knew that till tonight. By the right. way, I didn't know that either. That's kind of but, weird to have a statue for a guy that's still your coach, right? Yeah. Does everybody agree? I thought that was weird. I agree. But anyway, yeah, yeah, okay. I just think, I, I I do think Harbaugh comes back, and this isn't based on anything of of knowledge. Um, I think obviously the big thing is that you know if if he was really committed to the future at Michigan, he would have signed that con that, that contract by now. Um, but you can also make the argument that, you know, he doesn't do this stuff mid season, but yeah, I get it. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. He wants to know what's available in the NFL. Right. And I, I, yeah, at this point. Yes. And as, as some people have called it on our boards, um, January, this is a very much, you'll probably have to, suffer through another January, which is the January hiring firing season of NFL and, and Jim Harbaugh being linked. It's he's been linked every year he's been at Michigan. So it's just, it's Harbaugh such a wild card that you have to consider all options. I mean, fair enough, Steve, six titles. You get a statue dead or seven. Oh no, I'm sorry. Six at Alabama. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, it, it, Harbaugh is such a wild card that you can kind of see the scenario of, okay, this is the storybook ending. You know, he did something that Bo couldn't accomplish. That's win a national championship. He's got that. But so that gives them kind of a, uh, you know, a soft landing to kind of ride off into the sunset and, and pursue another uh, adventure. But man, you look at what he's got at Michigan now. For the first time in a very long time, the administration, the board of regents, everyone is on the same page. They can get things done. There's renovation. The, the feeling the love thing. Yeah. Like that's, feeling the love. Th- yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not going to be Michigan's fault that he goes to the NFL. It's a good point. It's not Michigan's fault. That's going to be all Jim Harbaugh's decision. Um, you know, there's there's renovations coming to the locker room. Um, man, there's just there's so much going for Jim at Michigan, he's untouchable now. He's untouchable now. You you can't touch him because he's won a ring. He, he, he did he did the thing that he was hired to do. He won a ring. He's untouchable. He's got it made. But at the same time, he deserves that opportunity to look at other opportunities, as does everyone. So I, there's just so many there's so many factors that you can weigh both sides with. And I know it's kind of a cop out to play the both sides argument. Um, but it's just Harbaugh is such an unknown and such a wild card. Um, and let's face it. He's a little bit weird uh, that you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't really have a sense one way or the other. So, you know, Harbaugh truly could not be thinking the NFL right now. And, and, you know, he could be totally thinking about staying at Michigan we would have no idea because no one knows. So it's just, man, if you look at opportunities, I mean, the NFL is called not for long for a reason. And, you know, they don't have patience like Michigan does to go, what, nine years into building something and you've got that now. You're not going to last nine years as a head coach in the NFL if you can't build something. I mean, if if 2020 was an NFL season, he would have been fired. Um, and, you know, he was kind of fortunate that, Ward didn't fire him. And I think kind of everyone is fortunate that Ward didn't make that decision Um, anyway, but man, it's, it's just really tough to see, to, to kind of predict him to not leave what he's got right now. I mean, these kids are there, parents are there, whole families there, you know, to kind of pick up and leave. It's, I don't know. I mean, he's done what he came to came to Michigan to do. So, you know, is is that a point of okay? Well, I want to do it again, or does he want to just wipe that slate clean, clean, close the chapter of his life, and and search for something else? I mean, we'll ultimately see. I do think, you know, that the NFL teams will reach out to him and and talk to him, but um, we don't really know how serious that'll be. So. Um, you know, it's easy for us who, you know, as, as, as Dr. Detroit mentions here, we, we love college football. I mean, obviously we're here to talk college football. So it's easy to say, oh, this is why college football is better than the NFL. The NFL is the pinnacle. There's no, right. doubt about exactly. That. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, and he's performed at the pinnacle of every level he's been in. So, and obviously he hasn't, he's missing that big ring and, and is that itch big enough to scratch time will tell. I mean, if he's signing this deal, 
there's no doubt in my mind that he retires at Michigan. But I think that's the big decision that he has to make is that does he go to the NFL or does he spend the remainder of his career in Ann Arbor? And I think after Monday, I think he'd be more than happy to do that. Um, you know, he's a legend. He's a legend. I mean, he was a legend even before he came here, but now he's really, yeah, he's a different level, man. He's, yeah. he's just um, legitimized everything. And um, I wouldn't blame him if he left. I mean, he came, he came, he, he came, he saw, he conquered. And um, you know, I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to go, you know, reach that final, final pinnacle. I I agree with everything you guys said. I, I can't blame him if he leaves. He, he did what he came to Michigan to do. And if he stays, then great for Michigan, you know, but I think you said it Trevor best. There's no doubt yet. He, he has interest in the NFL because if he didn't, he would have signed the contract probably on the podium after the game was over. Right. Because if I'm not mistaken, the contract offer is there Yep. for, I, I, I can't remember the, the numbers off the top of my head. What is it? 10, 10 years, one twenty five million or something. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think the I think the I think the five, the original five for fifty five sixty kind of number seems. I just don't see either side benefiting from a ten year deal personally. I agree. Yeah, that's a long time. That number that number got floated out there, and I don't know this for a fact, but that for me that was like, hey NFL teams, this is the starting point. That's how I take that. But anyway, go ahead, bro. Uh, That's that's about all I have to say. I can't blame him if he leaves. He he completed the task of winning Michigan a national championship and bringing them back to national prominence. So it's up to him at this point, whatever, whatever, whatever he wants to do to finish off his career. I can't blame one way or the other. And the, the last thing I'll say before we get to the other major coach at the university of Michigan and and Josh has some thoughts on that, that we're going to let him share. Um, I've seen some people kind of suggest you know, is he just fed up with the NCAA and, you know, he doesn't want to deal with them or whatever. Um, this man, after winning a national championship, first thing in the morning at a press conference, used that moment to once again say that players should get involved in the revenue share, then looked at the players on the stage with him and said, you know, the next step is unionizing. Hear that, boys? He told his players on the stage of the press conference after the national championship, they should consider forming a union. He is not scared of the NCAA. If you think that, I I don't know what to tell you. And I would say, I want Jim to do whatever he wants to do. And I would support it because he's Josh. I would say he did more than he was brought to Michigan to do. I think in our wildest dreams, winning a national championship was up there, but he got Michigan back. I, they, they're to another level they've never been. Now, granted, we didn't have a playoff system before, whatever, but he's done enough. If he went, I would support him, whatever. Um, but for the sake of college football, I hope Jim Harbaugh stays. I think uh, what that man is willing to do for players. And look, let's be honest, the one-year transfer portal or the one-year waiting in the transfer portal, NIL in general, like who's been at the forefront of that? It's been Jim Harbaugh and players see that. And that means a lot to him. Um if you get Maurice Claret on your side and rooting for Michigan, you must be doing something right. <laughs> right. So yeah. 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 Um, at the end of the day, Jim's going to do what is best for him and what's best for his family. I have no doubt about that. 
And if he goes chasing a Super Bowl, I will root my ass off for that man to win a Super Bowl. So, all right. On that note, uh, some breaking news we got before we came on. Uh, confirmation of rumors, I will say, which that in itself I think is ridiculous. But uh, Doug McDaniel has been suspended for six road games, essentially as a part of an agreement of an academic probation. Um, I'm guessing the thought is he can't afford to travel and miss classes. He can play at home, but not do whatever. Right. Josh, these rumors have been out there for weeks that he was having issues with grades. He was going to be ruled ineligible once January 8th and the new semester came around. And then it was like, okay, well, he's worked something out. That's what we knew. Mm -hmm. And then nothing, nothing. And then I, I'm sorry, this is just a big deal to me. He releases his statement before anybody at Michigan says anything in an Instagram post. He uses a word in his statement that I, whatever, he is allowed to say the word. I just didn't think it's appropriate in that statement. And it's getting shared by media members. Like that's the first note of it, whatever. And obviously Michigan agreed because at some point they told him to change it. And he literally like copied, like, like cut and paste a different word over it. Right. Jawan eventually comes out and issues his statement on it. And I, I, I don't want to take anything from you. So I'm going to let you say what you want to say, but aside from the mess that exists with Doug and everything else, this is PR 101. You, you can't get the basics, right? It, it just, you made an embarrassing situation, even more embarrassing. Right? So anyway, Jawan has had some role in suspending Michigan's leading scorer for six games. It's just another, another head scratcher on a very bizarre season for basketball and what has been a very dysfunctional program. We obviously have the Sanderson issue and, and such. So anyway, Josh, the floor is yours. You said there's a conversation that needs to be had. Go ahead and have it, sir. First off, what kind of cockamamie, stupid bullshit suspension is that? Six away games? What are we doing here? What are we doing? I should get comfortable. This is going to be good. <laughs> this basketball program is an absolute clown show joke. It's a laughing stock. You, you look at what Beeline built. It has gone to ruins. It has been set afire like the couches were in Ann Arbor last night. It is ash. It is rubble. You were handed the keys to the most valuable Lamborghini that you could ever dream of. And you went ahead and veered it right into the medium, just destroyed it. I think it's time to move on from Juwan Howard. It's time that Michigan needs to go separate itself from the fab five uh, history in regards to this hire and find someone that can lead a program uh, that can build a roster that knows roster management and actually leads from the front and not have people do your bidding for you behind the scenes. I mean, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that I'm not even going to talk about um, that. It's just, 
a mess. Um, you know, fights with your strength trainer who hasn't come back, uh, you know, going public, you're, uh, you know, due to a player flipping over trash cans, uh, mid-practice screaming obscenities at trainers because, you know, his timeline for his injury is not, um, up to, up to snuff, um, you know, randomly naming a, a your assistant coach, a head coach during a game. I mean, I get, I get, I understand the significance of it, but what are we doing here? What are we doing here? You look at what John Beeline did last, like six years ago, five, six years ago, and you've effectively just defecated all over the legacy that, that, that beeline built what this program stood for what this program is it's it's time it, you gotta you gotta let it go i mean if you're you, if you lose probably you know michigan has probably the best strength and conditioning staff in the country in both basketball and football and you're probably working your way of losing the best strength and conditioning coach in basketball because you can't handle someone making a truthful comment about the culture. You can't finish games. You can't assemble a roster. They have one true big man. They haven't had two true big men since Austin Davis, a John Beeline player, and Hunter Dickinson. What the hell are they going to do without Doug? You don't have a backup point. Disaster. Yeah. I mean, the problem's been he's already playing 37 minutes a game. Like You've been playing a guy who has had academic problems for a better part of a year. And he's not the first one. Let's let's be clear on this, too. This isn't a Doug issue, right? Uh, something Jim Harbaugh – sorry, Josh. Something Jim Harbaugh is very proud of and should be is the graduation rate and the honor code and everything that he has through football. He's not graduating players. He's not. It, yeah, you, you've got kids failing classes. It's – it shouldn't even gotten to this point. He should have known Doug was on this path to begin with, right? So not a the Doug lack, issue, man. The lack of self-awareness from this basketball team just shows that there's no leadership at the top. And I am not talking about Juwan as a person or what he means to this program. It's going to be an awkward divorce, but that's the risk you take with hiring a guy that – has so much history with the program. Either you just hit a home run with Jim Harbaugh or you get a Patrick Ewing where you're going to have a, an awkward divorce. And that's just what Ward Manuel is going to have to do. Honestly, he should do it tomorrow. Ward Manuel should fire Juwan tomorrow. Or Juwan should say, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to step away. Uh, there, there is no, there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no promise. All that promise has disappeared uh, within a two-year span. Um, it, it's, it's time to find someone that a smart coach. Not saying that Juwan isn't smart. I'm saying what Michigan should have a smart coach who can build a roster. And. Yeah, in this modern age of basketball, you're going to have to recruit your roster every year. You're going to have to add 
things. And yeah, you know, people, you know, Juwan isn't the only coach to have guys leave after one year. They're going to do that. You know, you're going to have guys who think, Hey, I'm, I'm done. This is, I'm only here for a year. I just want to get to the league. You, I mean, you, you can thrive off that to a certain degree. Yeah. You could probably do well in the conference, but on a national scale, you're not going to win anything. You look at all the past national championships, experience, Michigan football, experience. If you can't keep, if you can't develop players to be good enough to play and, and have experience, guys that have been around the block, guys who know how to win, you're, you're hopeless. You're not, you're hopeless. You're not going anywhere. You're going to be six and nine bottom dwellers in the, in the uh, big 10 conference. One of the worst defensive ratings in the, in, in the league. Um, it's just disgusting what this basketball program is. This product is disgusting. And I'm not calling out. I'm not, I don't want to, you know, shit on the kids that are playing now. It's not a, it's not a player. It's not about the players. It's about leadership and they don't have any. And I feel bad for Saudi Washington, who's been around forever, who probably should have got a head coaching job many moons ago, but he's sticking it out. And now I don't know what those prospects look like now because he's been a part of a team that's sucked for multiple years. I didn't even think about that. It's the the suck has a ripple effect. It doesn't just begin with the on court stuff. It goes into recruiting. It goes into the transfer portal. I mean, you're recruiting guys you know won't be able to make it through admissions, and you are thank you six months into this thing, and you have a guy who says. Oh, I'm sticking it out. Oh, by the way, I can't make it through admissions. What are you doing? Damn. You've gone through an entire transfer portal process with a guard that you were relying on where you could have gotten 8,000 other players, and now you've screwed yourself. You've got a guy that has one knee that you're relying on to get valuable minutes now because you've got a guy that you can't get their, his grades right. I mean, yes, Juwan is a Michigan legend. Juwan is a great guy. I'll never forget my first press conference coming back when I was in the hospital. And he welcomed me back personally, pointed me out mid-conference. Great, great guy. Excellent man. Good man. Just not a good fit for Michigan. And that's okay. He's just not a good fit for Michigan. Maybe he's a good fit elsewhere. It's just, it's, it's time to turn the page. There's been so many off the court embarrassments that it just that itself warrants a deep look into the program and, and a self-reflection. And it's just mismanagement. It's years of mismanagement and you need a leader. You need a guy who can manage and Michigan doesn't have that right now. I mean, you're not going to, I mean, yeah, everyone that was going to come after John Beeline wasn't going to fill his shoes. They were going to come up short. Right. But no one is predicting this short where you're borderline ineptitude. And well, I don't know. It's not borderline ineptitude. It's ineptitude. You know, Michigan is a place where you can win basketball games. They have the facilities. They have the resources to do it. There's no excuse. I mean, yeah, they've had their Amica days. They've had the bad times, but beeline has has shown you that if you have a system and it works, they're 
you can you can supplement your roster with transfer portal guys. You don't have to. You can't build your roster on portal guys. You can't do it. No, but you can you turn it around. You yeah. don't have a culture that way. There's no culture to build if you get if you bring yeah. a guy in who's there for a cup of coffee and leaves. And that goes the same way with with recruiting. You know, top fifty players. Chances are they're not going to be there more than one year, and there's no culture to to, to speak of. So um, I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> Excuse me. That just got me all worked up. I had to sneeze. Um, it, it, it's time to move on. It's it's time to have that awkward conversation with Juwan and have that awkward divorce. Um, it's it's time to completely, um, you know, wipe the slate clean. And I just want to respond to Marcus's comment. You know, that horse has been dead for a week. You know, I, I've been I've been saying that since the Minnesota loss. I just haven't had a chance to say it on the podcast. This is the first time I've been able to speak on it, and um, it's it's time. And I don't have a list of guys to who who to replace him. I think Nate Oates would be great at Michigan. I don't think it matters. I I, I just think you need a guy I that cannot play that game. I just <laughs> I, you, you get a guy that can build a roster that can maintain a roster that can lead a team and Michigan's going to be okay. Um, but right now Michigan is not okay. Uh, it's not in a good place right now. And it's not, it's not in an area that can be fixed. There's no quick fix to this. This program needs a complete gutting from, from top to bottom. It needs to be gutted. And um, yeah, I mean, John Sanderson was right. The culture is not good. Uh, he was a hundred percent correct. And, you know, if that, you know, deserves to have someone in your face yelling at you about it, well, that goes to show you. And I didn't even mention the slapping of the coach that should have been a fireable offense in itself, but Michigan was winning at the time. And we didn't, we kind of looked over it. I mean, yeah. With the Sanderson thing, if Michigan was winning, would we probably look over it? Probably, but these things are adding up. It's adding up. Well, the, and the and Sanderson lost. thing doesn't happen if they're winning because the culture probably isn't an issue, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, so, but I get your point, like how winning can cover up. And I feel bad for Phil. I mean, he's probably, you know, very close to retiring. And I won't be surprised if he retires after this year because he's probably had enough at this point. And he's the only, him and, uh, him and Saudi and, and, and Howard Isley are probably the only, you know, even keeled guys there. So, um, it's how to ruin a program 101, you know, just do follow the, the blueprint that we've seen the last couple of years. You know, you're, you're recruiting guys that are leaving and you don't have anyone. Um, you don't have anyone to supplement those one and done type of guys. So uh, yeah, gone are the days right now of, John Beeline's program. I mean, there's nothing left of it except, you know, somewhat familiar faces, but um, man, it's uh, a conversation needs to be had needs to, there's not a, if fans or butts about it, it just gut it rebuild. Well, try to rebuild, but you got to get this next hire, right. Or you're heading into another five, six years of obscurity because it's uh, yeah, it's, it's long gone. Um, you know, the, the, the program that you were seeing, you know, making these magical NCAA tournament runs no longer there. 
Uh, it's been burnt, torched to the ground. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's okay to say that Michigan basketball has uh, an infielder of their own. I mean, you're an inherited you're oh, inherited nice. a program. Oh, and, got it. <laughs> yep. That went way you're over my head. A program. <laughs> you're, it's been spectacular, spectacularly driven into the ground in a burning ball of flame. And so conversation's got to be had. It's not going to be pleasant. I mean, yeah, you know, Juwan's a legend. He always will be a legend. He's just not a legendary coach. And, you know, that's okay. You got to get this next hire right, though. I want to touch on something you guys both alluded to really quick. I know we're approaching two hours here, but Jesus, you guys, you guys both kind of brought up what are they going to do without Doug? That's a great question because in the game against Minnesota last week, Doug played 40 minutes and Namari Burnett played 35. No other guard came into the game. Llewellyn didn't play and George Washington the third didn't play. So what's going to happen for these six games where Doug's not there? You're going to, I assume you're going to start Jalen Llewellyn and Namari Burnett. You can't trust Llewellyn and George Washington the third to, to play the point guard for 40 minutes. Burnett's going to have to play 40 minutes a game. And the, the point guard, in my opinion, the most important position on the court is going to be pretty clearly the worst player out there. Llewellyn, Llewellyn has taken a big step back after his injury, and George Washington the third hasn't proven anything. So, it, I think it's it's going to be a total disaster. I think I don't know what the schedule looks like in these six games, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Michigan go zero and six. And I know the schedule coming up is is pretty tough too. They play Illinois soon. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been shocked to see them do that before this news. Yeah, like for me. <laughs> so. I mean, absolutely. If you look at the next six games, they get Maryland tomorrow on the road. No Doug. It's a loss. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's it's really that bold to say that. After that, you get Ohio State. They're having a pretty good year. That's probably a loss. And then I'm pretty sure they go Illinois, Purdue. Those are both top 15, top 10 teams. Those are both losses. Then you're sitting there at 6-13. and 13. It's a dumpster fire. It really is. You have to do something. You can't. And listen, the football team is great, and I do think a lot of people are going to look over how bad basketball is, but something has to be done. You can't be 6-13. and 13. If they were 500, I think a lot of people would forgive it because football is so good, but you cannot be 6-13. and 13. I wouldn't be shocked if they finished, I don't know, 10-21 and 21 or whatever. Yeah. However many games they play, I don't know nine, nine and twenty-two, whatever it may be. It's 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 awful. They, I can't I can't sit here and look through the Big Ten and tell you that they're better than any of the other teams in the conference. I just can't. Yep. There's not much more I can add, Josh. And we are almost at two hours, so I don't want to just repeat you. But re- real quick, what is I don't want to butcher his name. Lee, what's his last name? Aaliyah? Yeah. The the issue with him and potentially having having a professional contract and just not coming up on that, right? The Caleb Love situation. I know everyone loves hammering admissions. Jay Sean Barnum, Barham, excuse me, is enrolled and currently a student at the University of Michigan. Um, NIL, back in August of 22, 
Juwan Howard made some public comments about NIL. Have you seen anything else from him? Have you seen him at these NIL events like you've seen no. with Jim Harbaugh? No. Right? I, I know we've been to the signing events and we've been to all these different things that they've done, right? Even the creativity of turning the celebration for the national championship into an NIL event for champion circle, right? Jim complains about stuff too, but he's out there actively pushing to fix these things. And I get this feeling like Juwan's waiting for somebody to come fix it for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And Yes, the admissions thing is what it is, but to, to get Caleb Love and just hope it was going to work out and not be aware of that issue ahead of time, to come into the season with empty seats, right? Like you said, I, I like Juwan a lot. I don't want to sit here and talk negative. I, I, I get it's not the same, but there are similar comparisons in mind to, to Brady Hoke where the pressure of running this program at Michigan is big enough as it is. The pressure to then either maintain excellence or restore excellence is a whole nother level as well. Brady Hoke had to prove to all of us an entire fan base. This is Michigan. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This is right. He had that pressure on him as well as actually running Michigan football. Jawan not only had both of those things, he had a third level of pressure, which was he carried the entire fab five era on his back and had to validate that and somehow bridge this this gap that existed between that and, and getting Chris Weber back and all of that right like that is just so much it's so much and I think Juwan's been over his head and I think early on having Phil was a great hire that experience and we saw that help on the floor and maybe with some other things it, it's just too much especially for a first-time coach the the pressure of running this program after like you said John Peline Michigan was what a top five to seven basketball program through the tens. Yep. Final four appearances, streaks of sweet sixteens, national player of the year with Trey Burke. Yep. Right. And and now that he is over his head, we're we're seeing these mistakes and these things that happen that that just can't. And and it is a tough conversation and it sucks. Right. <laughs> because nobody wanted this to fail. Right. Right. Everyone wanted Juwan to be successful and for us to be able to be proud of the Fab Five again and all of those things. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think I think a change has to be made. It didn't work. And we can point fingers and we can blame each other and we can be mad or we can it just didn't work. Right. And time will once again heal. Like I I, I think at some point Brady Hoke will come back to Michigan Stadium and the crowd will cheer and support him and, and you know, for everything he did in the moment that he was in, and we'll have a better understanding on it. But man, right now, for those of you that think like it's our job to like carry the water or whatever, it's exhausting, right? Yeah. Covering stuff like this because I'm not here to defend it. I'm not. And to, to just constantly talk about it, be like, oh, right. So that that's just kind of where we're coming from. So it's not a personal thing with Juwan, but man, Brock hit on it. I think that the football team's probably provided a lot of cover. Mm-hmm. There's people that are very, very, very passionate basketball fans or people that focus on nothing but basketball that are, are talking about it a lot. But guess what? Michigan just won a national championship. The football season is over. You're about to have a lot of eyes on you, and it's not a good time for a lot of eyes to be on yep. you. Yep. Right? So that's yep. what it is. Some of you have been with us for the entire two hours. You're amazing. We appreciate your support. 
Um, I, I love what this show has become. I really do. I, I've always wanted to feel like we're not talking at you. We're talking with you and you guys are contributing to the conversation as, as much as we're, we're talking. I know tonight was maybe a little bit different. Mm-hmm. We all had a lot of rambling to throw out, except for Brock. Brock never rambles. <laughs> when you get the mic, you got to keep it, brother, because Josh and I <laughs> will not give it back. So, look, we had a handful of jerking off references from Josh today. Uh, some expressive detail of Taco Bell shits. <laughs> and we celebrated into the glory of a Michigan football national championship. <laughs> Nothing goes about nothing goes better together than national championships and Taco Bell shits. Oh, it it doesn't it just doesn't matter. You know what's like it's the best drunk food, period. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not debatable. But it's like even when you're eating it, you know you know oh, yeah, you're you gonna know regret it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it's gonna be some problems. Like, damn it, that little that cheddar whatever sauce and the holo- the cheesy gordita crunch. <laughs> so good. <laughs> some mel- oh good lord screw it we've thrown we've thrown it out the window yeah why not i'll throw that one up sure <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous it is all right um they did it guys they did yeah. it I, i'm with brock i don't think it's still really hit me yet i've been like i've been going back and and re-watching plays from the from the national championship game it still really hasn't hit me i, I don't know i don't it's unbelievable, man. National championship for Michigan football. And then, yeah, the football season. I forgot, like, we don't get games anymore. Yeah. You always forget about that. It's like, oh, yeah, we're done. We're not going to mm-hmm. see Blake Corum and Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter and these guys and Mike Sainer still. Michael Barrett. You know, we're not, we're not maybe Rod Moore, <laughs> right? Brady McGregor's and, you know, maybe Chris Jenkins. There's some guys we're not going to see in Michigan uniform again. And it's, it's kind of crazy. And, um, it's going to be fun to see in a year or two how we how we look back on these dudes. I think this was a this is a pretty legendary. I mean, I know they won the national championship. I'm I'm saying something really obvious here. It's a legendary team, but mm-hmm. these dudes. This was a special team. It really was. I don't like using that dynasty, not dynasty. Excuse me, the destiny thing. But th- this team just felt destined for a national championship, and it's just cool to see them hit it. And unless you're just a really disgruntled Michigan hater, I don't know how you can not be happy for this team and Jim Harbaugh and God, John hugging him on the sideline, him picking up his dad and his mom. How cool was that, man? How cool was it? Like, it's what a great moment. Um, Anyway. So with the new season already coming, right? Let's be honest. We're talking about Harbaugh. We're, we're, We're talking about JJ McCarthy, some more NFL decisions to be made. I posted my first kind of 2024 article today already talking about freshmen, that blue red shirts last year and, and who I think could contribute next year. Good Lord. That's too much. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's the first thing I saw when I looked up. Oh, blue. Anyway, oh, yeah, that, that, that's not going to get shared. So, yeah. So guys, make sure again, if you're watching right now, like subscribe <laughs> notification bell. So, you know, when we go live guys, help me get through this, please. Um, <laughs> and then for those of you that don't know, we, we work for rivals. Oh, no. We cover Michigan for the Rivals Network. So we're at michigan.rivals.com. You have, I'm going to do it. I'm getting through this here. We have the best message board community in the for Michigan sports in the den. Josh shares his intel and inside 
information in there. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. So oh. com. Please head over and then sign up if you haven't already. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Brock, you're going to be at the, <laughs> at the parade and the event Saturday. Correct? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, for and those of you that haven't fun. seen, we've got the article on the site right now, michigan.rivals.com. Uh, we have the article on the site right now with the information uh, paraded around four event at Chrysler Center. There's some ticket information, access for season ticket holders, et cetera, and then some information on how this will benefit NIL. Again, what, what Michigan football has been doing uh, since the national championship, but in general, kind of this buildup. It, it feels like a tide's turning, mm. it, um, and it, it, it's cool to see. It's, yeah, it's the, parlay to, the parlay that into an NIL event is pretty brilliant. It's genius, yeah. dude. It's yeah. genius. Yeah. And, and that's what it takes. Now, look. I said what I said about Jim and, and Jawan. I've said that before, and people have said, is that the head coach's responsibility? Should he really have to do that much extra work? If you want to have that debate versus what other programs are doing, okay, I'll do it. But if the choices are sit back and do nothing or be active, I'll take the coach being active. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I appreciate Jim doing that and advocating for revenue share and everything he does for players. Like, If you yeah. want to argue whether he should have to do that or not, I, I guess I agree but it's worked, right? Obstacles have been removed. They have official partners now. Michigan has an official partner from an NIL collective. You're going to walk into Michigan Stadium this fall and see information about NIL in the stadium. Yeah. So progress is being made. I'm impressed by that. Uh, but obviously, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll continue to cover what's going on with the transfer portal and, and NFL decisions. And obviously, Jim Harbaugh. It's uh, Groundhog's Day, Josh. Mm-hmm. We, we thought we maybe wouldn't do this again, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we thought wrong. That's all right. I said it last year, and I'll say it. If he doesn't go this year, when will he go? Yeah, right. I mean, at this point, he's at, he's, he's at the highest he could be at if NFL teams are going to consider him. If they don't offer him this year, and if he doesn't go, I just, good Lord, at some point, it's just got to be enough, right? I get, like I said, he's got that door creak because if the perfect situation came, he'd pursue it. But man. Well, keeps us employed. Oh, my, my first thought, my first thought when I saw the Saban retiring news, I'm like, oh, I'm so that sight. I'm so jealous. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're, they're Unfortunately, gonna... I, I don't I I'm not rooting for this, but it would be good. Coaching searches are <laughs> good for business. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying I'm rooting for that. I'm not. I would no, rather, I don't want it. I rather Jim Harbaugh stay. Yes. However, selfishly. Coaching searches are good for business, and we'll, well probably have right one with basketball. So one for two is fine. And right by signing day and ever, I mean, good yeah. lord, that story. Real quick, real quick. Bama head coach, next Bama head coach, Jim back. Yes or no? Dan Lanning. I think Lanning will pull the trigger. After all, he he he's very snake oil salesman-y. And, you know, all that stuff he's saying about, uh, oh, I'll never go anywhere, you know, Oregon is thinking, yeah, well, Alabama's calling you home. And I think he's going to go against his word. And and then that just will prove to me the snake oil is strong in that one. So Dan Lanning's my pick. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, yes or no? This Coming back. Wild. Oh, that would be awful. Urban Meyer would be wild. That would be awful. Um, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, yeah, uh, back, yes or no? I say yes. 
I'll go Dan Lanning and no. Dan Lanning and yes. All right. Guys, thank you again. And a whole bunch of you have stayed through this last five minutes of me mumbling through this nonsense too. So still appreciate you. All right. Like I said, tomorrow, episode one, first half of the national championship cut-ups with Toski the GOAT, no cap. Make sure you join us there. Otherwise, we will return to our regular scheduled programming. We'll be live Sunday for another episode. What? What now? Now how someone made a Brian Day joke that I enjoyed. Ryan Day would be a perfect candidate for the empty third base spot. <laughs> and batting third. <laughs> Ryan Day. They wouldn't be batting third. He played third. Yeah, I know. But I was I was quoting Jim Price, R.I.P. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah, I know. Hey. Wait, that's shitty. Yeah, well, it's been a couple months, but yeah. I still feel bad. Yeah, I know. Anyway, <laughs> Brock the doubter. Yeah, don't you know? You're not allowed to predict bad things, Brock. <laughs> anyway, that's what I think is going to happen. Brock's always here to rain on your parade. Where's he going? NFL somewhere. Oh, I just... oh. oh, is he? Well, well, I thought he was going to go wow. to that UFO and take over. Brock the... okay, hot well. takes over here. <laughs> Take over I just the Powerville think, Roughnecks or whatever the hell the name of one of those stupid teams is. I just think there's going to be a new chapter of Michigan football written. I next know. Year. What team do you think is going to NFL into. team. Chargers. Chargers. I'll say that. I, I just don't think. The the Spanos and all the family members, them coming to some consensus and paying the money. I don't. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Brock really went out on a limb with that one. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think I think it's Chargers and nothing else. I agree with you just because of the family situation. People are trying to convince me into this Washington angle. No way. That roster stinks. Because it'd be close to John, and they do have new owners. Because, God, if Daniel Snyder was there, I'd laugh in your face. Yeah. But, eh. That roster sucks. I and mean, the it, NFC doesn't have to play John. I've heard people are trying to talk me to Washington, but, yeah. Playing the NFC East. That's a yeah. tough division. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. Yeah, I like you don't build an empire and walk away from it. I yeah. think I think at some point someone's going to sit down. I don't care if it has to be a statue or what, but somebody's going to be like, "Look, dude, you love this program more than anyone. You know the history of every coach that's been through here. You know the Michigan man mantra and the the legacy and what that means. He just made a comment about when he dies and he's buried, he hopes that's what people say is that he's a Michigan man." Yeah. He needs one of those. He needs one of those dreams from the uh, the Sandlot, where uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez has a dream that that uh, Babe Ruth comes out of his closet <laughs> and he goes, "Heroes will get remembered, but legends never die." He needs to have one of those where Bo just appears in his dream and tells him to cut so, the shit and just stay. I know you're being funny, but in all seriousness, if Bo was alive, we wouldn't. There'd be no NFL rumors. Oh no, absolutely not. Because Bo would literally say to him, "If you aren't a hundred percent." Then you need to go, right? Get your shit together. What do you right? There, there's yeah. no. Yeah, I agree with you 100. So, yeah. okay, here I go. Ready? Thank you for joining us on Hail to the Podcast.